Are they under control over there? Yeah, yeah. <sighs> Anytime my kid is not in perfect health, I assume it's either nothing at all or fatal. Mm-hmm. There's nothing in between. So she has to go to the doctor tomorrow morning. We were just working it out. And um, unlike a lot of kids, she does not like going to the doctor. She just doesn't like the whole idea, the whole, the whole enterprise. She'd, like, she'd rather be set upon by clowns. And um, so, you know, we're trying to work that out, you know. And, of course, I'm, I'm panicking about what this could be when it's almost certainly something very simple. And I'm already imagining like, like a life in an iron lung type situation. I don't like being like this. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't like my catastrophization of things. You and my daughter have a lot in common. She was in my room last night. Hysterical crying because her ears had not yet popped from the plane flight. Oh, God. And she was sure, I'm not sure that this meant that the rest of her life would be like this or that death was certain in the near future um, or that my attempts to convince her that it was related to her stuffy nose were futile because she doesn't understand the whole sinus system, I guess, and was not convinced by my logic that perhaps this feeling could be connected to the fact that she's gone through her 8,000 tissues in the past hour and her nose is entirely red, and she sounds like, you know, super duper stuffy. And I just had to convince her to go to sleep. Uh, anyway, she was very upset about it. But today, I didn't mention it, and she's fine. She's going to the doctor for a checkup. Oh, uh, yeah, kids don't go to the doctor as regularly as they used to. I don't think the thing that drives me crazy, and this is just, I think this is because I am a man uh, with one N, nominally, mm. is that. Actively have tried to stop doing this in my relationships with people, especially my wife. I've tried to stop being the person who is always going directly for the solution, you know, with whether I know it or not. You know, it's the guy thing. You've got to, you always want to find a solution to everything. Why are you crying? You know, things aren't that bad. Male answer syndrome. That's it. Yeah. Maz, we call it. I tried so hard to stop doing that. Um, And it's so much a part of being an American male that it, it, it's just background noise. You just, we're, we're so used to thinking that the world wants our reckon on how things are going. You know, and I've tried to stop doing that. Now, with that said, the part that drives me crazy, and I imagine this drives you crazy, is the like, this happens every time we fly. And so we do this entire, this whole like chicken bones ritual. We're like, okay, remember, we're going to go on a plane. We got gum. We got bottles of water. And the thing is, if you chew gum and you drink water, it's going to help you. And just the idea of bringing that up even before the flight brings tears. There's no desire, there's no, no curiosity about what might prevent this problem. There's utter fear, anxiety, just a total meltdown at the idea of having to deal with this in any way. And it's very unproductive. And you just have to sit there and make a face and go, mm-hmm, yeah. I was like, you know, if you would do things that would help you swallow, they would pop. I don't want them to pop. But if they don't pop, it's going to hurt. I don't want it to hurt. I know. This is, that's the human condition, honey. You're human. That's all those things are true. I can't promise you there's never going to be another hypodermic needle in your life. I wish there was something I could sign, some multi-page government form and triplicate where you would never have to be scared again. But like, that's a situation to get used to. I know I, I was terrible at it, but don't you kind of wish that if there, if there is an obvious solution, you know, like let's keep, when you have two shoes for, for your two feet, you know, God bless you, you got two feet. And a lot of people don't have two feet. You got two feet, you got two shoes, you got two socks. Let's keep the pairs together. Let's not let the pairs of shoes whoa, be on whoa, two whoa. different we, floors. We've made, we've made quite a leap here from chewing the gum on the plane to keeping pairs of socks together. It's, I a, think lot, we've it's just, a lot to ask. We've it, just crossed like well, seven levels of like see, the, the pyramid of enlightenment. And, uh, 
yeah. Chew, just chew the gum versus like mm-hmm. socks and pears. Slow down, Daddy O. <laughs> These ones hurt my toe. Oh God! Did I tell you what? I'm, I've I've discussed. Is that, yeah, that you're saying your daughter's thing, or, or are you? No, remembering that's me, that's me mine. We I finally. I mean, I this is another one of those. This is so boring to everybody who's not a parent. I don't care. It's an unsolvable problem. Children and their feet are a huge problem. It's just, you can't even, you can't even understand how much of a problem f- footwear and hosiery is in a house. I think it just depends on the kid because I didn't have this with my son. He would just, maybe you could put socks on his feet as we find, but I thought I had told you about this. So similar she's sensitive stories. to, she's sensitive to uh, seems. Yeah. So like it, to, she did not want anything on her feet. The socks might as well have been hair shirts. They were like filled with <laughs> 40, internal 40 grain sp- sandpaper <laughs> spines and poison. <laughs> like like an Iron Maiden. <laughs> yeah, for her feet, basically. They might as yeah. well have been. And then shoes on top of that, it's ah. like just, uh, you know, it's madness. And so now she's much older now. And now the, the updated uh, newly 10-year-old version of this is there is a particular kind of sho- sock that she will wear. And other socks that look exactly identical, unless you know exactly what to look for. These are white socks, right? Straight up, same size, same length. They seem to be identical. These other ones are not acceptable. And so very often, oh, we select you the might wrong mix, socks. Mix them up. You get one, and these one and another. Are just rejected outright. <gasps> like, yeah. So she she is very sensitive to things like this, and and she's getting better with age and recognizing that socks are a thing that have to go on your feet. And that recognizing that historically speaking, over the low this many years that she has been alive, if you accept the socks onto your feet with or without tears, come the end of the day, you're not thinking about the socks anymore and everything is fine. It is merely like the act of putting on the socks in the morning that is traumatic. But if you can yeah. pass that somehow, mm-hmm. even with tears, that very shortly thereafter, you continue to live your life and have a normal day and never give a second thought to your socks. And as long as the parents don't rudely bring them up again, like, hey, I, you made it through the whole day with your socks on, <laughs> then you will there will be no more mention of them until the next morning. Right. Right. So it's progress is what we call it. Yeah. It's parenting. You just take uh, the yeah. victories where you can. Progress. It's Sisyphean, though, because it's, it's the ultimate kind of Sisyphean thing, because some part of me thinks that this is a solvable problem. And so sometimes I throw time at it. Other times I throw money at it. And I say, well, OK, we got these cool shoes for you at Nordstrom. You like those. She liked these shoes so much that she refused to wear them. She loved these, what we call them her Hermione shoes. These really cool, like, black Oxfords. They're super cool boys' shoes that look totally boss. They're, like, the coolest shoes she's ever had. And they're extremely comfortable. So she keeps them in a box in the drawer with her Harry Potter stuff. And she refuses to wear them. So this phenomenon was described to me by an adult woman who I worked with at my very first job who had a serious shoe problem. And one, 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 uh, you know moment of closeness and clarity i had a discussion with her about what is it about shoes that you really like you know help yeah. me to understand she, she would, when we say a shoe problem she would acquire them she liked having buying yeah, new she shoes. Had a lot of shoes and okay. the, she the way she articulated this was that well i mean she likes clothes and you know she likes all kinds of fashion things but something like a sweater you may be really interested in but the sweater by itself is almost formless right whereas mm-hmm. shoes have a structural integrity and hold their their shape and hmm. shoeness like a sculpture in a way that clothing does not. It's an art object. Yeah. Right. And so that's why merely oh. the acquisition and ownership of shoes is an end in and of itself, whereas you would never want a bunch of sweaters because you look at them and they're just in a big heap. 
Yeah, what are, like, what are you, marshals? They yeah. They lose their sweaterness, whereas the shoes retain their shoeness whether you wear them or not. Oh, so she man. has acquired the Hermione shoes, and she extracts full enjoyment of them. There is no need to put your feet in them to do that, because there they are. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. But, so, we got these shoes, and they weren't super costly. I mean, they were like, we got them at Nordstrom, and while we were there, I thought I'd, you know, capitalize and say, oh, look, they have white socks, they're the form factor that you like. These look pretty good. Let's pick some of these up. My goal, of course, is to get her like I am. I want her to get to the gold toe system. I want her to get to having a giant drawer full of exactly the same socks. I know that's not going to happen. <laughs> yes. Not a lot of people who don't care anything about fashion except this system. Uh, look at Marco. Uh, I rest my case. Okay. So <laughs> that's, you know, and of course, again, so this is, this is the Sisyphean task. And so I keep thinking like, I hate to say throw money at it because we're not a wealthy family, but you know, she needs to have shoes. She needs to have you shoes she can wear. Money. Got, well, yeah, we <laughs> sure big sock. And the thing is though, I want less stress. I want less stress in the morning. I want less stress all of the times. I want to like, and again, this, the Sisyphean part is I keep thinking that there is a solution to this when it's not. And I'll come back to this in a second with, with a concept I'm gonna, that I believe is called transition time. So we get that, we get the shoes, we get the Hermione shoes, and I, I am really not happy admitting this. I am not happy admitting this at all. I'm not proud of this. She loves the Hermione shoes. She refuses to wear them. I said, honey, uh, one time when I was in college, I read something on a poster that said that uh, ships are safest when they're in the harbor, but that's not, not what ships were designed to do. And she said, I don't, that doesn't even make any sense. And I said, you're probably right, but the thing is you need to wear the shoes because we bought them for you and they're really cool. I ended up getting her a second pair. So now she has a pair of the Hermione shoes that she keeps sacrosanct and another pair that she wears. She will occasionally come, come home suddenly because, you know, child, children have no way to realize when they need to urinate until it's already too late. We get in the door. She takes one shoe off, realizes she has to urinate. She runs upstairs. So now we have shoes on two different floors as an ongoing situation, which doesn't seem like a big deal with one pair of shoes. But when it starts happening in different rooms and different floors with different shoes, it becomes madness. Why don't you just buy multiple pairs of each shoe and, and leave one on each floor? That's a good idea. I should do that. Because I'm saying, like, is yeah. this the uh, the only child's uh, <laughs> parenting techniques that you're employing by buying her a second pair of the shoes she refuses to wear? Is this how this works? Well, we do when we go out to eat. She doesn't eat her dinner. I buy her a second dinner. Yeah. <laughs> no. And take the first one home. You remember just that in case phrase? She wants it later. Did you hear that? I mean, you, were you a Dr. Sears family? Uh, no, I don't know what that is. But uh, you remember that? Do you remember hearing that phrase, transition time? Oh, Dr. Sears, not Dr. Sirius. Oh, no, Dr. Sirius, no. Oh, right, okay. I, I can't remember if it's, but I just, it's one of those terms you hear about babies and toddlers even. Toddlers, I guess, maybe even especially, but transition time. Where there's like, there's just, all that's happening here is we're going from doing this thing to going here to doing that thing. With maybe the canonical example being bedtime or a little later in life, bath time. But I thought transition time would be a thing that just went away. I'm realizing not only is it something with, with my nine-year-old daughter, it's probably something with me. I think just transition times are hard. When you're transitioning from, we're getting up, reading books, and eating Cheerios out of the bowl, to like, okay, no, seriously, we need to get out the door. It's a very stressful transition time, and I'm starting to just realize that I, maybe all transition times will always be stressful, and I should stop trying to be Sisyphus. I'm failing. I'm trying and failing to be Sisyphus. I can't even I can't even figure out what rock to push wrong. You know what I mean? Transition time. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Although like seen so many different kids and heard so many stories of how how different children are. And I'm really starting to believe that the real double edged sword, curse slash blessing, whatever, of having biological children is that you are perhaps the least equipped 
to parent a child that is like you, you would think you'd be like, oh, I know this in some ways this is true. Like, I, I recognize this quality in myself and my child. <laughs> and or I remember thinking or feeling that when I was a child. Well, that should be a breeze. To some degree. So to give you help. But really what it comes down to is like very often your flaws line up in ways that that like the same reason your child is having difficulty with this is the same reason you will never be able to help them with this. No, you're, you're, right? you're, you're wizards with sibling wands and they cancel each other out. Do you know what I mean? It's like, uh, I, yeah, it's, I mean, it, it depends on the kid because obviously it's not, the kid is not you. The kid is not your spouse. The kid is their own person, but you can't help but notice similarities and to, you know, depending on what it is, uh, you know, uh, what aspect of their personality you're seeing. And it's just, I almost wish that, <laughs> that they didn't cancel out like that because I don't know. I think it gets worse as they get smarter too. Cause you're like all, all of my tools are now immune because, they're, they're being reflected back at me. And also, I mean, my meta anxiety that I've had since before my daughter was born was that I would give her my anxieties. My thought all along, my concern has been like, I, I, the way I used to phrase it was I, I want to let her be screwed up in her own way, which I think she'll find ways to be screwed up in her own way. Mm-hmm. But she's going to be screwed up in my way too. My hangups, my constant- well, 100%, like, yes. My constant rattledness about certain things. You're her model for behavior. Think about that. Yeah, that's a nice thought. <laughs> It's okay. I just keep saying to myself, yeah, I got this. I know how that was. Oh, you don't like the doctor? You know, I hated shots too. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you feeling better? It's like, you feeling good? <laughs> you want some other pair of shoes? This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Casper. You can learn more about Casper right now by visiting casper.com slash diffs. That's D-I-F-F-S. Casper is a company that is focused on sleep. They make the perfect premium mattress and they sell it online for a fraction of what it would cost in a store. Casper's award-winning mattress was developed in-house. It has a sleek design and it is delivered in an impossibly small box. In addition to that mattress, Casper now also offers an adaptive pillow and soft, breathable sheets. An in-house team of engineers spent thousands of hours developing the Casper mattress. It is an obsessively engineered mattress that it's presented to you at a shockingly fair price. So perhaps it's no surprise they have an average of 4.8 stars across more than 30,000 online reviews. That's a lot of online reviews. Their San Francisco research and development team have developed a proprietary foam that relieves pressure and increases airflow. Then they combined it with a springy comfort layer to contour to your body and keep you cool. This means Casper mattresses have just the right sink and just the right bounce. Casper make these quality mattresses at great prices. They are designed and developed in America. They've cut the hassle and costs of dealing with showrooms, and they are passing the savings directly onto you, the sleep-desirous consumer. I'll be honest with you. The first Casper mattress I got was a gift from the company when I started doing their ads, much like the one you're listening to now. Thing is, my wife and I have been sleeping on that for at least two years at this point, and we love it to death. We like it so much that we bought a Casper for our daughter, and she loves it too. Uh, basically all of the uh, human bipeds in our house sleep on a Casper at this point. The cat's just going to have to wait. She's a monstrosity. It's a great mattress. They bring it right out to you. You just, you, you, you take it out of the box. You open a little bag and it inhales. Beautiful, beautiful mattress. Crazy part is buying a Casper mattress, it's just, it's so easy. It is completely risk-free. They get this. Casper offers free delivery and free returns to the U.S., Canada, and yes, Govna, now the U.K. as well. With Casper, you can actually get to sleep on their mattress before you make your decision. You try it out for 100 nights, decide if it's right for you, 
you know, this is where you're going to spend a third of your life. If you, if you don't love it, they'll pick it up and refund you everything. Everything. And right now, you can get $50 toward any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash diffs. That's D-I-F-F-S. And using the very special offer code diffs. D-I-F-F-S at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. Our thanks to Casper for supporting reconcilable differences and all of Relay FM. This too will pass. That's the, you got to pull that one out. You got to pull out the this too will pass thing. It's like at a certain point, uh, you have to let go of trying to give up on trying to make things better, which as you know, is uh, not going to happen, like trying to fix things and just just try to convey the idea that time is a thing that passes, that the passage of time is a thing. I mean, that's the whole thing. Like, will your ears be clogged for the rest of your life? I suppose it's possible, but odds are very strong against your ears being clogged for literally the rest of your life. Oh, that that makes, John, I wish you were my dad. That makes so much sense to me. And that is just crazy bananas talk to my kid. I know, I know, but that's that's all the, that's what I'm concentrating on though, is like, you you don't want to hear the explanation of the situation. You don't want to reason about it. You certainly don't want a solution. All I really can do now is try my best to convince you that this is what's happening now and there will be a time in the future when this is not happening. And if you can just if yeah. you can just be convinced of that in some way that it gives you something to picture in your head, there will be a time when my ears aren't clogged. Let me briefly think about that time right. when my ears aren't clogged. I'm not even going to tell you when it's going to be. Might not be today. That's, might that's not good. be tomorrow. Yeah. Might be when you're 30. But there will be a time when your ears aren't clogged. <laughs> I promise you. <laughs> right. That's similar. We were having a conversation the other day about orders of magnitude. And I was telling her. We're, oh, that's too boring. No, it's not. I was like, <laughs> and actually with the way she's taught math, it actually made some sense to her. She wasn't interested. Mm-hmm. We were at the airport and killing time. Mm-hmm. And I was like, just telling her that idea of like the, you know, the ballpark estimate and how valuable it can be. And we were talking along those same lines when we were saying like, she said to me, so we were at the um, Dulles airport in DC and they have these. Uh, flags of the states hanging in the domestic area and flags from all over the world hanging. This is so boring. Why am I saying this? Of, you know, uh, so different countries in the international area. She said, how much do you think all these flags cost? And I said, somewhere around, I said something like probably like around $15,000. And and then I was saying like, here's the thing. I was like, you guess how much that costs. I was like, and I, so I hold up my left hand, my finger on my left hand. And I say, do you think this stuff costs $1? She's like, no way, this didn't cost $1. I said, do you think this cost $100 million? She said, no. I said, okay, well, let's go up. So do you think it costs $10, right? And eventually arriving at that you could get within one or two orders of magnitude probably, and that it's just the logic that you apply to figuring out what magnitude that is. And you're, you're, you've decreased the number of possible ranges of numbers hugely. I think it's called a bubble sort. Is that what it's called, John? <laughs> Not what you're doing, no. Yeah, Okay. Yeah, anyway, she really just wanted some Chipotle. And, so uh, she's, ready to, she's ready to interview Google now, right? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> how many golf balls will fit in a How many uh, in flying a, cars can you put in a ba- battleship carrier? <laughs> yeah. How many, how many uh, telephones are there in the United States? Uh, Whole yeah. nine yards. Have you gotten those? Have you ever had a test like that? I mean, uh, not a test like that, but like even joking, like the interview's gone well, you're coming to an end, and they're like, uh, mm-hmm. how would you solve this kind of problem? Do they do that kind of stuff in jobs? I have had those kind of questions, but not on the like how many golf balls in a swimming pool variety, more like uh, re- topic related, like right. to the the job that you're, you know, like computer stuff, yeah. which is at least at least somewhat relevant. I could barely look at um, Incomparable Slack today, yesterday, because everybody's been talking about kids in college. Oh, I'm so far behind. So far behind on yeah, that. Yeah, you're from, a completist. Yeah. From my, no, I'm not a Slack completist, but I'm just I'm, I'm aware that I haven't even clicked on that channel since returning. Ugh. 
Oh, I had to. I had to post uh, those uh, f- funny face apps of what I'd look like. I was a baby. As if I was a baby, I thought I had to break it up, have some fun. Like, I, I can't even think about college. I can't think about it. We say this too shall pass, which is something my grandmother used to say that drove me crazy. And I would say back to her, "Yeah, this too shall pass, just like the gas." And I thought that was the funniest thing in the world. You're you're quick witted, even then. <laughs> Master of the house, ready with a dad joke, Anna. Yeah. So anyway, it'll pass, and then it'll all get uh, it'll all get worse, you know, worse and more diverse, as you say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's only for toasters, not kids. Yeah, they're adding DVR, quote unquote, DVR functionality on Sling TV. That's going to be fun. Extra five bucks a month. You don't have to watch the commercials. Oh, John, we got to talk about TV someday. It's not even on the list. You got to add it. Yeah, I'll add it to the list. Has this, has, have you done this yet? Have you... Uh, oh, no, you're leaving the trap? Yeah. All right. Like, all right. The, I think like the first two items are linked. We, we You skipped some follow-up, though. I know. I, I, I skipped nothing. You're already down there. You're already down there at the topic section, trolling for uh, for topics. I wonder if I should have bought the second pair in a different size, is my only thought. Maybe I should get a third pair in <laughs> a larger size. <laughs> That's your only thought. What week is this? John, did you have any uh, follow-up this week? Copyright John Syracuse of 2011. Yeah, yeah. I just wanted to mention, uh, because we talked on a couple shows ago, the episode titled Celebrity Outreach Program or something similar. Yeah. The, the one that should have been titled you, Heavily Credited, I believe. Yeah, I believe that's the one. <laughs> you mentioned that you had tickets to a uh, performance. Well, we were talking about my my celebrity loves, my celebrity crushes, Jonathan Colton uh, and Amy Mann, and the, the transition thereof, and your duties with respect to them, right? as my bacon number connection to these folks. Um, <laughs> okay. And I, I mentioned that I was going to see them in concert, and now I have. Uh, and it was kind of kind of surreal because they were on both on stage at the same time at various points to say, here I am. Those two people that I was talking about, they are both here. It seems so easy. feet from me doing the thing that they do. It's like I summoned them magically. Um, and I even had a Ancient Bird Dream Journal moment where... I couldn't remember, this is because I'm old, and because this is generally the way I work, I couldn't remember if this is a thing that I dreamed, or this is a thing that I actually did, or it's a thing that I thought about doing but didn't dream about and didn't do, which was to convey to you that through your channels, I wanted you to request that when Amy Mann came to Boston, that she sing a specific song. Wow, no, I think you dreamed that. In her set. What, is it was it an is it an obscure maybe this wouldn't come up kind of song? Well, you know she's got a big catalog and it's a short show, so there has mm-hmm. to be kind of you know how do you pick the set? The set list couldn't conceivably not con- con- contain the song of your choosing, and it's like well, no skin off her back to play one song or the other from any particular night to the next. Lots of things are variable. Sure, uh, if somehow this could be conveyed now. Obviously, this is a thing I did not actually do, Mm-mm. but I remember either dreaming about and or thinking about doing that. Uh, and the song was the song that was featured briefly on this very program when Why I played that? it. Yes. <gasps> when I play, played it when you were uh, yeah. having a little break. A little me time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so here I am watching the show and I had forgotten about that, uh, this dream or idea entirely until she comes back for the encore and does, I forget what she did for the first song in the encore, but in the second song of the encore and the only time in the entire night that she did this. She calls an audible and turns to her, you know, on stage bandmates and said, you know what? 
let's do Wise Up. Like, telling them that they're going to do a song that they had not planned a song because the rest of the set, she never told them what song they were going to do next because it's a set and you know what song you're going to do next because it's, you know, it's set down for you. Right. She called an audible and said, you know what, let's do what She didn't point to me in the stands or say my name, but she might as well have. Oh, obviously. I think I think maybe you, in your in your dream time, maybe you whispered it to the ancient bird and it passed exactly. it along. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, what, you know, the whole night, just, you know, song after song, they know exactly what they're going to play. They can even transition from one right into the other. But she talked to them slightly off mic and said, you know what, let's do Wise Up tonight. She didn't say for John, but, you know, and she wasn't looking at me, but I felt like it, she might as well have been. How was it? It was an exciting moment. The whole show was great. That song was great. She had a string section on stage. Oh, my God. Which is a hell of a thing. Did Paul and Storm open doing their uh, semen number? No, Joko was the opening act. Oh, really? Yes. <gasps> That's exciting. And then he also yeah. joined her, I imagine, for some yes, of the songs. She joined him during the opening act, which is, as Joko pointed out, fairly unprecedented for the headliner to join the opening act for several numbers. Right? Oh, no, it's, that's, a, that's a very um, very humble and human thing to do for the uh, headliner. She did change outfits for her actual, you know. Yeah, well, she's, Amy, she's Amy Mann. Exactly. I mean, that's the great, and then so when, when she was on stage at various points, uh, she called Jonathan Colton out to do a couple numbers with her. I did note that Jonathan Colton's outfit was the same as it was during, during the opening act. Oh, yeah, he's, he's, got a, he's got one shirt. He's got this one shirt that he likes, I think. Did not have a wardrobe change. Was it like a Western collared shirt? No, he, well, he was he was fancied up more than usual, which he oh, did. Oh, he was, didn't have the t- he had it's a, usually he a had T-shirt or the Western-ish kind yeah, of shirt. Yeah, no, I know his outfits, but he had a jacket and tie. Oh, come on. Yeah, which he had, which he uh, made great sport of himself about wearing. He brought it up himself and discussed it. And then also during uh, Amy's set, uh, Ted Leo came out. What? I think he is. Have you? Are you watching Legion? Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, yeah, I've seen the whole thing, yeah. All right, so you know the carries, yeah. right? Uh-huh. I'm pretty sure Amy Mann and Ted Leo are like that. Oh, they share they share a body. Yeah, so like sometimes they do, but sometimes they're separate. But anyway, it's like I don't even know if he was expected to be there, but at some point, he's good. Ted Leo appears. It's like, oh well, of course he's here. Did he play guitar? He did. He isn't he isn't he a heck of a guitar player? He plays a guitar like ringing a bell. He has some interesting guitar moves. Hmm. I haven't seen a lot of guitar moves up close and personal live. I mean, honestly, he's he's got great, super fast strumming. He's a great fast drummer. And he also he can do some pull offs, man. He can do some up the neck. action. Yeah, he, he shredded pretty well. Uh, I mean, he's tasteful. I think his, his guitar face and his guitar moves are very interesting. They're different than I have seen or expected, certainly than your classic guitarist that I've seen mostly on video, but even different than people who I've seen get a little shreddy live. Like, I mean, even John Roderick, which is I feel like the closest in terms of like men of a certain age still rocking the guitar. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. That's like, <laughs> yes, yes, I do. Yeah, he can't do those Pete Townsend kicks quite like he used to. Yeah. Um, he gets he gets rocking and his glasses go flying across the stage. Oh, in this, in this show, I feel like Joko has really upped his guitar game. He's just out there with his acoustic, whatever. But a lot of his newer songs have complicated and faster chord changes in them. And he was nailing them, whereas, and his equipment was on, on point and everything, whereas I felt like Amy had a little bit of fret buzz in a few of her instruments, and she, she kept switching them out. I don't know if she was oh, that sucks. happy with the tune over them or whatever, but a little bit of fret buzz. I've, I've not, I can't diagnose that problem from the cheap seats. No. But there was something there was something amiss there. But Colton, and also, by the way, based on your last ep- episode of Roderick on the Line, the G. See the G. where, yes, where John Roderick discussed his 
internet conversation with many of his peers about how they finger a G chord. Mm-hmm. I was particularly attuned to watching how Colton and Amy Mann do this, and they are both thumb hangers, as far as I could tell. They, they're reach arounds. They do reach arounds. The, the thumb, the thumb is certainly coming around, and I'm pretty sure the thumb is doing something to strings in both of their cases. I was, when they, I was when they, taught you should never do that. I was taught everyone's that, that everyone's taught you should never do that, and nobody listens to them. But I think the idea that that thumb comes all the way around and either mutes or actually fingers a string is farther than just, by the way, the thumb is coming around. Thumb is coming around and it's doing business with the strings. Yeah, but and, you, you would need like Mike Hurley hands to do that. Wouldn't you need like monkey hands to do that? From a distance, I couldn't really tell yeah. what was going on there, but I'm pretty sure I was hearing a G and I'm pretty sure the thumb might have been involved. You know when a Joko G, you know a G. It's yeah. the Ur chord. I know. Well, when you're trying to trying to describe the seven different ways, I could I couldn't even. I'm putting my fingers on my steering wheel, going like, "How can there be seven <laughs> different ways?" I think like, he's I can exaggerating do like, a little bit, but I can do like three, and then like even if you start mixing in the O, do you add this extra string or not? Right? Then you get another multiplying factor. But that's why I say it's not like a D with a G, unless you have some kind of inhuman hand. Like, there's only so many ways. It's basically what you, what you, it's like Bob Seeger says, what to leave in, what to leave out. Like, do you not play some? Do you mute some? And then do you maybe add that, uh, what do I never remember, BCD on the B string? Yeah, but it's just, it's also just fingering. Like, the, yeah, the well, way there's I not think that many you're options. supposed to do it, the way I think you're supposed to do it is just like a C, but with one of the fingers moved, right? That's the way, I think that's the way you're supposed to do it. Uh, uh, I got, I got, uh, I got middle finger. On the low G, I got index finger on the A string. Um, what is that? B? B uh, right below a C, I guess it's a B. Am I getting this right? Yeah. And then uh, and then uh, ring finger on the E string G. Yeah, I was trying to do this in the car and can't, like, my finger doesn't know how to do it on my arm, but I do know how to do it on the fretboard. But I know, anyway, I know I did it wrong because if you do it, if you do it the way you're supposed to do it, you can switch from C to G Without radically moving your fingers. Oh, well, if you leave off the high, yeah, 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 you could do a melt with you type thing where it's almost makes a major seventh where you. Yeah, but with the way I do it, going from C to G is like a complete switcheroo of like all my fingers. I know. I'm the same way. Because I'm doing it quote unquote wrong. Are you self taught? Yeah, as far as, you know. Okay, see, that's the problem. Me too. I mean, and that's why I play my D's backwards. My D's, my D's are so ugly because I never learned. I I basically have switched the ring and middle finger on the D and I make a very ugly D. The ring and middle finger or the pointer and middle finger? Sorry, sorry, sorry. Pointer and middle finger. Yeah, yeah. Um, That's ugly. But then then with the thumb coming around and dealing with one of the top strings, leaving other fingers free to do other, I don't even know what's going on. What is that? Mm. All all this to say is that I think Jonathan Colton's clean applications of very complicated chords very quickly, I was very impressed by. And I've seen him play live many, many times over many, many years. I think he is upping his game in terms of his acoustic acoustic guitar playing everything clean didn't miss a note and like i said his newer songs have more complicated chords that i can't even recognize on site from the cheap seats i don't even know what he's doing down there still not you know super complicated like soloing fingering his plucking you know the yeah. thing that he does yeah like that's he's he I was, I was very impressed i'm glad to hear it it sounds 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 like a good like a good match do you do that does he still do that funny fancy pants song did he do that? Not on this show. This is not that. I don't think this is that audience. Yeah. He did. He did some. You know, because that's that's all. He's got to have all his electronica business. He did do the single from his new album with a, a accompaniment accompanied by his uh, MacBook. That's cool. Yeah, that went well. Um, but in general, like 
Amy Mann doing her thing. She had a keyboard player, a drummer, a bassist. Uh, the keyboard player and the bassist both did backup vocals. And then she had the string section. Uh, I think it was like a cello uh, and a bunch of uh, violins or violas or whatever. Is she, is she traveling, like touring with strings, do you think? Yeah, I think so. I think they were in New York, too. Because I Damn. remember seeing uh, Colton's Instagram showed the strings That's and there expensive. was the New York show. That is really expensive. Well, you know, these tickets weren't cheap. Uh, but mm. in general, I would say that Amy Mann is a miracle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you have never seen her live, you need to. Yeah. She's literally miraculous. Hmm. Literally. Like, yeah. And she's think? funny. She's also funny. Yeah. Well, it's tough. It's tough being up there with Joko because he's, he's quick with the joke, too. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know if you want to compete with that or just stand back and let it happen. Oh, he is funny. He's he really knows what to do on stage. This sounds like a nice evening. Now, why'd you buy cheap seats? I got the well. Here's here's the thing. This this venue, when I'm you know under time pressure to like get seats as quick as possible. It's not a big venue, right? I knew I didn't want the balcony, which is super duper high because I'm looking at all these internet sites. Like, let me show you a 3D model of the inside of this or where these seats are because I've never been there before. Mm-hmm. All right. So my choice was floor or mezzanine, and mezzanine is not far that far away from the stage. And because the floor is level, in theory, if you are, you know, short like my wife, you might have a better view from the mezzanine because it is slanted. Whereas if you're on the floor and a tall person sits in front of you, you, you might not have a good view. Right. Um, but really, the, the problem was is the floor seats were all tables where the tables were going there, like a bunch of long tables leading away from the stage. And people were sitting at them. What, facing like lunch each other. tables? Yes. And so people you sit sitting you, at you, these you, tables. You look at facing an angle. each other. Oh, yeah, that's people, miserable. Right? <gasps> and the stage is not, right? And so I looked at this and like, are they, are they serious? Or is this just like for some uh, for some uh, events at this venue, we will arrange seats like this. But surely for a concert, they wouldn't do it. Surely for a concert, they would have chairs facing forward or something, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but no, everything I looked on on the internet under this time pressure was telling me that if you get floor seats, you have to pick your assigned seats, but that they would be across the table facing each other. And you'd have to turn kitty corner on your stool for the entire show Ugh. to see it. And I said no to that. So I bought mezzanine, and I don't regret it. We had an excellent view. This is not a big venue. I was very close, uh, close enough to, you know, I did not feel like I was uh, very, very far away, although I was on, you know, one level up. So I wasn't as close as I could be, but um, <sighs> it was it was great. I wish they, they were very adamant about no pictures. I wish they weren't, because <sighs> they would have taken some excellent pictures, because the lighting, everything was just, it was just amazing. Many times I said, I need to get a picture of this, because this is, like, she performs her songs live. Like, not that this is a measure of how good live music is. In fact, it may be the opposite of a measure of how good live music is, but yeah. she was able to match the album recordings of her songs amazingly well with what is surely a a tiny fraction of the complement of things that are going on Mm -hmm. and not because she was playing some electronic backing thing behind the entire song merely by selecting songs and arrangements and because she's got the string section there right and they're not the strings aren't heavy they're just like accents right and she's got the drums and she's got the bass and she's got a keyboard and occasionally keyboard pulled double duty by throwing in some you know it's electric keyboard so you can do more than just piano noises Mm -hmm. throwing in a couple things there and her singing like I don't know how, you know, some people's like, I, I spend a long time in the studio to get the vocals just right. And then live, like you get what you get. She gets it exactly perfect every single time for every song that she sings. Again, she is a miracle. And so everything would come together. And you're like, if I close my eyes, this is just like a live, perfect rendition 
of the song uh, that I love from the album and not a completely different rearrangement because in real life I have to do step down tuning on everything because I can't hit those notes live and the rhythm is off and the, <laughs> the, the accompaniment just, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, and you can have good live versions of songs where you kind of, kind of riff on the song that you recorded and make a new version that is different and better. Uh, and that's one way you can go, but she did her songs just perfectly. I was, I was amazed. Hmm. And I've talked to I've talked to my friend who has seen her perform live many many times, and he said this is one of the best performances he's ever seen from her. So, according to the Boston Globe, Amy Mann was in exquisite form at the Wilbur. She was. Mm-hmm. She absolutely was. Magnificent bird. I w- I wish I should have I should have seen I was I had my I didn't have my good camera. I considered bringing my good camera because I've been in you know, a good camera taking uh, kick, but I'm like you know as soon as we came to the place like reminder no pictures. I'm like well. It's a good thing I didn't bring my good camera with a giant lens on it, but I had my phone with me, and I was like, "Can I just if I just pick up my phone? Like, yeah. no one's gonna come and find me." But on the other hand, maybe they will, and I don't want to risk missing the rest of the concert. Yeah, imagine so, if you got you got thrown out, and she's sitting there looking. Who's that guy? Who's that gawky guy taking pictures? Right, if she was me? gonna play "Wise Up" for me, I'm not yeah. even there anymore. Right? Yep. Um. Mm-hmm. So uh, in the end, all I did was during the intermission, took a picture of the empty stage. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, but I did see other people taking pictures, and I saw them not getting kicked out either. But I really, <sighs> in the end, what I decided was that I really wanted my good camera because, I, you know, like, the, even the lighting was really good. Very simple lighting, mm-hmm. nice curtain behind the stage, different color schemes for each song, nothing crazy. It looked amazing. From my view, you could see, you know, my two celebrity crushes and their accompanying bandmates all doing their musical thing all together, all, like, kicking butt and doing their jobs in, in some beautiful lighting. These are uh, not inexpensive tickets at these various venues. That's what I'm saying. Wow. Like they, were the, they were the cheap seats, not in the sense of... Well, this is <laughs> StubHub. Is StubHub a retail reseller place? Or are they one yeah, of those... yeah, StubHub is a reseller. I, I remember uh, them being fairly costly, but money well spent. Yeah. And this was, remember, after I had just come back from uh, the UK, so I was right. kind of still jet-lagged. Uh, and this was... It was not a late-night concert. It was, as I joked my when we went out there, it is the concert for... Uh, old nerds so it started at 8 p.m which is like the actual rock concert like the headliner comes right. out at 11 p.m this is no we're actually going to start at eight that's a little late for me but still let's consider it we'll get you home by 11 <laughs> because we're we're a bunch of old nerds and honestly looking around that audience like first of all we saw one of my wife's co-workers there i saw uh, another one of my nerdy friends who's also my age or a little bit older there like every 40 something nerd in boston was in the theater wow yeah, we were in D.C. Uh, last weekend. Um, Madeline was like, "Oh my God, it's there!" This was Friday. She's like, "They're the you know Amy and uh, Jonathan are, are in town tonight." We almost thought about seeing if we could sidle in. First name basis with them, huh? <sighs> I understand the need to take photos of things. I understand that this is important for people that that you're going to lose your your Facebook wuffy if you don't continually post photos of things. But we were at the very wonderful Smithsonian. Washington, D.C. National Zoo, having a wonderful, wonderful day at a wonderful, wonderful zoo. What a great zoo. Pandas, right? You got pandas. You got elephants. You got otters. You got it all. Amazing, like a small mammal house. Great reptiles. Damn, man. It just, I don't quite understand the thing where people take photos constantly but haven't figured out how to take photos. It's weird. Where there are people who obviously the entire event needs to be cataloged for whatever, 
that's just a compulsive thing. You've got to be photographing everything. But they're taking the crappiest photos in the world with the flash on. They're taking pictures. You know, they always say, please, no flash this. No, no, don't flash. Don't flash. That's a nocturnal animal. Don't do that. But also there's people there, you know, and I just, it's, it's so confounding to me. I mean, I, I feel so bad for the people that have to look at those photos. They're taking terrible photos constantly. No, 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 no attempt to get photos. better. Huh? No one's going to look at them. It's a Facebook thing. You lose it in the algorithm, I bet. I'm saying no one's going to, like, they're not going to look at them. The people who take the pictures aren't going to look at them again. It's the new, it's the new, it's the new smoking. I think. I, no, it's not. Anyone, okay. anyone who spends any time taking pictures on their travels should know that the zoo is one of the most photography hostile environments imaginable. Professional photographers, professional equipment and hours to set up would have difficulty getting a decent shot of anything because all the animals are behind reflective, scratched up, covered with kids, scratched snot, up glass. and far away. And like this, this is where everything you've, everything you've forgotten about what even a good camera phone is good at. I, even with 2X optical, that's going to be a dot. That's going to be a brown dot behind scratches. And you're, if you can see it at all and you don't just see the reflection of, of the scratches and the smudges, and the, it's just, it's terrible. It's the worst environment to take pictures. Like we went to, we visited the London Zoo when we were in London. I think I took five pictures the whole time there. Yeah. Because that the only five opportunities I had to take, get a clean shot of something that was recognizably an animal. And this is with my like 70 millimeter zoom lens. Yeah. It's not a good environment for taking pictures. Yeah, it is exactly the environment that people feel like they want to take pictures because they're seeing amazing things. If you're walking down the street and a tiger walks by, you're sure as heck going to take a picture of it. And this is like the same thing, only you did the walking instead of the tiger. Hmm. Um, so you got pandas, you got tigers, you got everything else. You, you got to take pictures of them. But I'm telling you, I'm going to say it's a waste of your film. That's not how cameras work anymore. Hmm. But it is, it is a waste of your time because they will not come out. If you really want to record the fact that we saw a lion... Yeah, that was it for me. That was the, that was the pan. I just sent you my Lincoln Memorial picture, which is pretty good. Pretty good iPhone 7 uh, photo. I uh, The only ones that matter to me, for some reason, I had to get photos of the pandas because they were amazing and get a photo of my daughter with the pandas because she really wanted that. And then she's got a friend who's not her boyfriend that we had to get photos of turtles for. I always sent you that photo of him, remember? <laughs> that sounds you, creepy. You say, that like, like, <laughs> you say that like not her boyfriend, but like, but... You know, really, as as people who were once boys, he is not her boyfriend. Uh-huh. Right. Right? Now, she may... Th- her conception of how this is working is one thing, but I can guarantee you that boy is not her boyfriend hmm. because no boy at that age has any idea... Oh, please. ...about girls. <gasps> Give me a break. Nope. Uh, I was two years into completely falling for girls at her age. Oh, two years. Yep. You sound, I don't know. This, this sounds uh, troublingly precocious. Mm. Not as much as I'd like. I feel like at that age, boys should still not even be aware of themselves as sentient beings. Oh, absolutely. Let, let alone of the opposite sex. What's the Dr. Katz line I'm forgetting? She's not. Well, she's not a hunchback? <laughs> That's one of my favorite Dr. Cat's lines. I know, you've got the clip. She's not a hunchback. She's not a hunchback. <laughs> sister, my man, my main man, sister. Uh, so also we got him a we got him a turtle. We got him a stuffed turtle. Yeah. He just got an albino uh, red-eared slider. You ever seen one of those? That's a badass looking turtle. Oh. That's fine. a kind of turtle? Albino red-eared red. slider? Yeah. Check it out. He got two of them. 
They cost they cost over two hundred forty. You think it cost over two hundred forty dollars each? He told me. I was picturing a sugar glider, which is a different thing. Look at that! Isn't that cute? Look at that thing! Isn't that hideous? <gasps> Look at those eyes. Where did you send me this thing? I didn't. I just Google albino red eared slider. Oh, <sighs> See, I don't, I don't, I don't want to have turtles in the house because at first I thought I wanted turtles, and then I read Salmonella. Them. Whoa, I know, no, that's, that's no good. This albino <laughs> ready to start. No, just no. According to him, he's, he's not her boyfriend. According to him, you only get salmonella if you eat them. Mm-hmm. And or I, touch I, them and then, and then eat anything. Exactly. And he, he, says, he <laughs> says, when you come over to my house, you will see that my entire room is filled with aquariums. Because uh, it's all, it's, it's turtles all the way. <laughs> Whoa. Oh, my God. That was not intentional. <laughs> Did you just knock a, a drink into your computer or are you just startled by your own turtles all the way down thing? I'm amazed that I I make three something all the way down jokes a day. Mm-hmm. You just you just backed, you backed into that one. Boop, boop, boop. Didn't even notice it. You, you stopped the engine. There you are. Yeah. <laughs> what, you don't think you'd want one of these with those big, uh, those big eyes? That's <laughs> just terrible. It's like yeah. a nightmare fuel. Eldritch horror. Yes. that's that's you You nailed it. Yeah. Oh no! Look at it with its little legs in. <gasps> oh no, no! This is this is difficult viewing. No, stop! I'm closing this page. Go yeah. I'm Why do you make me Google these things? <laughs> this is this is a. Uh, I'm gonna say it's a, an affliction that you have. What? Uh, what? During podcasts, when the other person <laughs> mentions something, very often you are not uh, like on the, the most recent rock on the line. There was some sort of audio issues that were causing me to hear more loudly than usual. I know. Your frantic, your frantic googling of every I, word that he says. I can explain that to you. All right. I have a, well, I have an excuse for that one. The Googling or the microphone? The fact that No, it was before. not Googling. And I'm happy to tell you what it is because it was Eldritch Horror. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. No, usually I'm typing because I want to finish the goddamn show and put it up. So I'm doing all the preparation, trying to type quietly on my Bluetooth keyboard. But, you know, I got things to do. I got to go places. I got pickups. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I want to get the goddamn show up. You know, I'm not going to edit it. I'm not going to edit it. But I got to mm-hmm. get the stuff up. I got to put the sponsor thing in. I got to find a photo. I got to steal a photo. I got to make it with the with the dots. I got. But you are googling what he says because very often he finishes oh, no. a sentence and you say, "Here I am looking at X." Which okay, is so but there's that you another spot it. where I'm typing a lot for a long time, right? There's one spot where I'm typing yeah, a lot, yeah, yeah, like right. really so you're a saying, lot. That is not the googling because that you would have. No, no, googling is shorter. It almost that. sounds like someone texting, right? I don't know. I don't know what it sounds like. Okay, I was like on. Keyboard. I'm on with Apple support. I'm talking to Dominic. I'm saying, Dominic, here's the thing. Mm-hmm. I think it's my power supply. <laughs> Buddy, <laughs> oh, I, I, need, I really need to bring this in. Dominic's working through it with me. Dominic, Dominic says to me, you know what? I, I can't even say this. I can't even say this. Ah. All right, could you confirm? Let me try to plug and unplug. <laughs> <laughs> um. I shouldn't even say this. He says, he says to me, he says, uh, yeah, okay, well, that's great. This is Dominic here. What up? Uh, I need you to confirm your name, your address, mm-hmm. and the last four digits of your phone number. Mm-hmm. I did. And then he said, oh, and your Apple ID is name of person at example.com. And I go, uh, yeah, I, it is. Uh, you didn't need to offer that up to me. In fact, if I could be so bold, Maybe that's the kind of thing you should ask me to verify rather than- Did you say this to him? No, of course not. This is all internal monologue, just to clarify. (laughs) Yeah. No, 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 no. This is totally internal dialogue. I just just want to get- I I have to ask this because certain people would would say this. Like uh, like John's sister. Roderick's sister would probably do that. Susan would do that. Or like you in 10 years. Yes, precisely so. 
Yeah. So it was, it was a hell of a situation because, as you know, I don't discuss my movements until I've returned. Yep, Usually yep. a day or two from where I've been going, I don't discuss <laughs> oh, my right. movements. I, I, I'm going to reparse that. Okay. Got it. I got it now. I'm going to reparse the movement part. What's that mean? Uh oh, sure. <laughs> no, I no. Had a, I had a misfire on the parser okay. there. I'm like, All right, sorry. It's like <laughs> also true. You don't. But. Have you tried plugging back in? Uh, so I, uh, I, I, we're about to go. This died. That started dying. You, you were there. You probably saw this on whatever Slack I was on. Probably relay. Yeah, I know. I know about your woes. And um, you would not believe the chicken bones kind of crap that I've been going through with this because I, I can't. Big on the, I, big on the chicken bones lately. Big on the, this is a trend, by the way, a, mm. a multi-week trend with the chicken bones. Continue. <sighs> okay. All right. Thank you. I just want to identify so we're all on the yep. same page here. Because sometimes remember, you don't know you're doing it, but you're yep. doing it. Remember what week it is. I knew. I knew. Of course, I knew in my heart. Of course, it's the power supply. And then, of course, as soon as I said that, Marcus said, "Yeah, it's good. do all your stuff." Well, but yeah, it's going to be the I, power supply. I think supply. what you knew in your heart is that uh, you were you were holding on to a fragment of hope that there would be something you could do that didn't involve lugging that damn computer somewhere. Oh, I had that so would solve many, this. so right. you would not believe the fragments of hope that I've exhausted. Right. So that's like that's what it comes down to. That you're just looking for anything that means you do not have to carry this big thing somewhere. Yeah. Could it be my? Could it could could it be my task cam? Could it be like yeah, I disconnect my keyboard? Maybe it works fine. And for I did. I disconnected my keyboard and it worked fine. I was just using mm-hmm. the Bluetooth. I was like, "This is it, Hosanna! I've discovered it." These bastards at DOS made a made a thing that made my computer break. It's like Aunt Aunt Hosanna Hosanna. How are you following that one? Shoshana. And uh, so I thought that was it. And here's the thing: I knew I was like, "Okay, I'm going to be smart about this." Hey, uh, 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 hey uh, Dominic, not his real name. Mm-hmm. How about I've got the super duper uh, double secret Apple Care on this? How about uh, how's about you uh, set up a situation where I can go? You, I, you you know this from Relay, but I'll share this with our listeners. Hey, how about you set up a situation? I'm gonna be out of town for a few days. How about I go drop this off and mm-hmm. let the pros from Dover take care of it? I come back, I pick it up, right? Then eh, could you the battery, power supply, whatever you got to do? You guys, I'll take care of that. Because here's the thing. Uh, it would have been, it's five to seven days out to get a genius appointment, or at least it was when I was doing it. And you cannot book an appointment more than seven days out. So you're threading a needle with a needle here. Mm-hmm. So so my situation was, as I mentioned, uh, was that, why am I telling you this? Who cares? It's just maddening to me. And I tried everything. I bought a copy, a new copy of Clean My Mac, thinking, oh, you know, maybe it's my... <laughs> well, no, 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 because I thought preferences. Maybe it's because I... Okay, here's what I got. Preferences I kept... are, are cutting the power to your computer. I, <laughs> Literally I discovered... They had been yanked I, from I, the wall. I shook the bones, <laughs> and I threw them at the wall, and I noticed in console that I was getting an endpoint reached, changed the API, XPC thing on uh, QuickDraw, diddly, diddly, D... That was showing up right before it crashed each time. So I says to myself, I says, huh, maybe it's preference files. <laughs> and every single, time, every single time I tried anything, I would unplug the computer, wait 15 seconds, plug it back mm-hmm. in, mm-hmm. and then uh, zap the NVRAM every single time, which I know <laughs> is pointless. I'm throwing bones at bones at this point, but I'm thinking... What the hell? You know, my, I, I can't take this thing in to get fixed. Oh, and here's the beauty part also, and I think I said this on the Slack, was that uh, I was like, hey, hey, uh, Dominic, or whatever your name is, can you just set me up, you know, do a brother a favor, and I'll just go drop this off. You know what? Turns out they have no, apparently they don't have phones that connect <laughs> to each other. That's a different company. Sorry, sir. No, 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 no. This is Dominic. You want, you want uh, the, the Stonestown uh, Apple Store. 
No, nothing they can do about it. It's completely like independently operated. Like you got to go. It's a franchise, really. Really, it's more like a franchise. You want to start an Apple franchise that just give you a little kit? They oh, give you a little booklet on how things are supposed to be done. Start, your own, you're off start to your own cinema. You just get all the parts from Sears. Yeah, yeah, same same situation. So yeah, no, sorry, Dominic. Dominic says I got to contact them. There's not much, you know. You got nothing for me. Like I got to get with them, and uh, and work <laughs> a mutually agreeable time for me to come in and go through. I've got three case numbers at this point, and <laughs> this is a good time for me to. I'll be able to go in. And I reference them all when I refer to each other. Gone around and around. So yeah, now I get to carry my uh, iMac into the mall on Thursday. Grab a lift. I feel you. I had to bring in my Thunderbolt monitor, which is probably actually weighs more than your Mac. It's the same size, but way thicker. I had to bring that in three times. So I did a last and final, as we say in the airline industry, I did a last and final super duper today. Turn it down now. My my last my last bone that I'll throw at the bones and bones is I'll, I forget what the uh, magic cord is, but I figure I will wipe it and put yep. a new make, a, make an account called Apple on it with the password Apple. Is that smart? Because that that's I, I and my wife was like, I why would you do that? that? Why would you delete all your files? I'm like, ah, no, just erase the whole disk. The make first it, thing they do, do a, when you do a clean install, make a single account called Apple Apple, bring it in. That's how you do it. And, uh, you know, I might leave it up for, uh, you know, 18 hours and see if it stays up. Now, today, you know, with everything unplugged and in safe boot, stayed up. It worked fine. I think it might be a corrupted preference. Maybe it's a corrupted font. Had you thought of that? You ever had a corrupted font, John? I have had a corrupted font. It's always font. the last thing. It it's always the last the power thing you check. To my it didn't cut the power, but what about what about the end reaching the end point? I should refactor my timestamps on that, man. You got to look at the timestamps. Well, the problem right before, with sudden power cuts is they don't declare themselves. So whatever was the last line in the console, it could have been three minutes before the power went out. You know what I mean? You gotta mm. you gotta synchronize your watches, and you, you get the you get the black or the the dark gray. Sorry, the the dark gray line says you know the the boot reboot dealy Bob. Oh, the Colonel Panic screen in multiple languages. That business? Oh no, not that. I don't even get. That. I don't even get the dignity of that. That's I just what get I'm saying like you're just getting like someone yanked out the power cord, which is a different thing. All I know is I can't get to Plex, and it's causing a lot of stress. Yeah, she's she's got to watch uh, she's got to watch uh, Bob's Burgers on on Hulu. Mm-hmm. All right, so uh, you know we'll see how that goes. I'm on the adorable right now with the uh, the dongle. Mm-hmm. Like a do- dongles, dongles, dongles. Got to have it. You got so you can have your power and uh, do stuff as well. Oh yeah, no, I got an anchor. I got the one. I think the one Marco recommended. I got the the anchor one with three USB ports and the USB C on it. So far, the Tascam is not crashing the adorable. So I'm not sure how that should figure into my logic, but if, what if I just run it in safe boot all the time? <laughs> That's no way to live. You got, <laughs> slow, gra- you got <laughs> slow graphics. You're missing drivers. Oh, no, oh, no I, got, I got the, I got the, uh, the trippy screen where it's like coming up in slices. Yeah, yeah, that's part of that's part of the not using the fancy accelerator. No kidding. Pieces. So it's well, turning, off, turning off drivers? Is that what it is? Yeah, when you when you do a safe boot, it doesn't load the good graphics drivers, and very often things draw oh, in a way that is different than both slower and in in disjointed pieces. In my experience, when you actually load all the normal, so it's drivers. probably g- give me your diagnosis. I want your bet. I want you to write on a piece of paper, put it in an envelope. Is it is it power supply? Is it going to be graphics card? What do you think it's going to be? Because you you've heard all the symptoms. Yeah, yeah. I'm going with the same theory I had about my Thunderbolt display, which exhibited similar instant power cut things and i'm going to say it is related to some part of the computer being given insufficient power momentarily causing the whole thing to reboot and i'm tying that to your keyboard because maybe 
that additional power draw or some weird behavior of the keyboard is causing the component to just to be underpowered. Like there's some minimum voltage this thing needs to keep operating. If it goes below that voltage, it's like reset the world. Um, and you, I know you were attributing that to your power supply. Oh, the power supply isn't able to deliver enough power. And I suppose that could be it, but I'm actually going to blame it on some other board in the computer that is receiving insufficient power for some reason. And once that thing goes away, the whole system is like, but I don't know. Power supply is is your, is your obvious choice. Uh, I'm going with the dark horse of some other board. Here's the the thing with these type of problems, just like with a Thunderbolt display, they'll do a thing where they leave it on for a long time and try to see if anything bad happens. And you can give them some suggestions on how to potentially reproduce this problem. But if something bad does happen, they tend to take the shotgun approach is like, well, could be X, could be Y, could be Z. I'll just replace all of them. What do you think? It's like, all right, good. Well, you, but on the other hand, it shouldn't make you feel comforting because it's like, well, you can't tell which one of those things it is. You're just guessing. It's like, great that you're replacing all these parts, but bad. That- I know. Give me some, give me some closure. Yeah. Like, so they replaced a lot of parts of my Thunderbolt display and it kept happening and they replaced more parts and it kept happening and they replaced more parts and then they finally got it. And it's like, well, it's obvious you don't know what the problem was. You know, something was wrong, but you don't know which. And so that... I would prefer that they uh, they uh, know what the actual problem is rather than just replacing stuff out of the goodness of their heart and hoping they got it. Maybe they'll give me a new one, huh? That is a tough sell. I was yeah. hoping to get a new Thunderbolt display, and it's like, no, you got to come in three times for the same problem, and then you get a new one. I should, pro- should, I, should I buy an iMac right now? Should I get a new one? Do you think this is a good time? You get, well, you get a second one. One you just leave in the box, and the other one you can, you can use. You win this one, Syracuse. <laughs> All right. I'm taking off the antlers. And we're back. Are you hearing me okay? I don't. I don't have the Ethernet on this. I'm. I'm, I'm doing a Roderick today. Yeah, I'm, you're. You're coming in okay. I hope everything is working out there. But yeah, you, know, you don't have the Ethernet because that would be like a whole other set of dongles. Mm-hmm. Well, I tried. I tried. I tried using my USB, my old USB Ethernet dongle, and it wanted to oh, be yeah, configured. No, just, you've gone one too far there. Then you gotta. You gotta get the special extra eighty dollar one. That what? With... I'm guessing. <sighs> This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com, enter the offer code DIFFS, that's D-I-F-F-S, at checkout, and that'll get you 10% off your first purchase. I am such a huge fan of Squarespace. I've been with them for years, and I want you to give them a try, too. Make your next move with Squarespace. Squarespace lets you easily create a website for your next big idea. You can get a unique domain. They got award-winning templates and so much more. Maybe you want to create an online store, a portfolio, or a blog. It is all in there. It is so easy to use. Squarespace is an all-in-one platform. that lets you do whatever you need to do. There is nothing to install. No patches to fuss and worry about, and no upgrades are needed. You don't have to worry about any of that stuff because Squarespace has got it covered. I, I tell you what, buddy. I use Squarespace to run the Roderick on the Line podcast. We've been doing the show for, Jiminy, six years now. Every single episode since the beginning has been done on Squarespace. I use Squarespace just about daily, and I, I think the world of it. And here's the, here's the thing. Squarespace, they got award-winning 24 by 7 customer support. So, you know, uh, if you're having some kind of problem, you just, uh, you just ping them. They help you out. Just give them a ping. So great. They let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name. All of those award-winning templates are beautifully designed for you to show off your great ideas. They're responsive. They look good in any browser. Squarespace plans start at just $12 per month. But you can go and start a trial right now with no credit card required. You go to squarespace.com, squarespace.com. And when you decide to sign up, use that offer code DIFFS, D-I-F-F-S, to get 10% off your first purchase, and you will show your support for reconcilable differences. 
Our thanks to Squarespace for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all of Relay FM. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. You're a little off on that. A little off. You're a little bit off. You're the one who's off. Mm-hmm. I couldn't find it. I was trying to look for a song. Oh. Find I realized I didn't have the new Man album downloaded here. I got a little cloud icon. So I got, I got the, um, I'm excited. I got the blowout, uh, uh, what do you call it? I got the I got the Rain Man suite from Jonathan. So I got the comic. I'm getting the whole nine. Pretty excited. Yeah, that's uh, what that, that album is out Friday, right? Is it? I saw he was, it was streaming from his site. I haven't had a chance to listen. Yeah, I bought the I bought the digital one or some variant of the digital yeah. one. So I'm looking for waiting for an email to tell me where I got to click to download stuff. I don't want him to have to go back to programming. I want to be supportive. I think he's okay. You think he's you think he's comfortable? I think he's okay. Yeah. Read in the New York Times. He's doing pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> Heard on Planet Money. Some some jerk told the, the world how much he made. I don't remember who it was. Oh, uh, you know, I, I had a friend on Planet Money one time. Oh God, he was he was he was. On top of the world, he so it was a friend of mine who had just created this uh, basically like a bookmarking read it later service, and uh, so uh, he wasn't worried about competition. So we're not going to talk about housework, huh? Hmm. All right, we will eventually. Oh, well, yeah, I mean it's on the list. Mm-hmm. All right, I mean I don't have the I don't. Why did I put travel in here? Uh, because you did, and because we both traveled. Yeah, but is that interesting? Shouldn't we talk about the other stuff? I think travel is is fresher in our minds and will more comfortably fit into the allotted time. So you sit here and you just, I'm watching your little pink cursor. You just took the time to remove a space at the end of the line. And yet, and yet. I didn't. I just highlighted it. I didn't, did I, I might have removed the space earlier. Yeah. I didn't just now. Just now all I did was highlight it. And yet you put two spaces after a period. That's just been, I don't know why that, I, I don't normally care. I'm not like a pineapple on pizza guy. Mm-hmm. I don't worry about these things, but for some mm-hmm. reason that it's really been troubling me that you do the that. The fact that you have never noticed this, despite seeing my text typed into the computer for, for many, many years wow. shows how inconsequential it is. Oh my gosh. Look how you made it about me. That's really, no, really about odd. The fact that it's like, you, you did that. I, that I had to explain to you that I'm a two, two space after period. Like you didn't know. How could you not know if it was such an important thing that you oh literally God. never noticed despite seeing it's me like do it? It's like having an abusive in, spouse. In, Thousands of tweets and Slack messages and you knew what you were getting into with me. You knew, you knew. Oh God, my goodness! No, the point is you didn't know. I'm going to sleep at a shelter tonight. This is sickening. (laughs) My God, you know they don't like it when you complain. (laughs) A lot of people don't like a lot of things, John. (laughs) Okay, thanks. Bye. (laughs) Um, So travel. We haven't talked about travel in a while. We talked about travel a long time ago. And you revealed, amongst other things, you have some, I feel feel like some anxieties about travel. But in particular, you get very gravely motion sick on planes and on uh, watercraft. On everything that moves, just a matter of degree. Except except for the Accord. You're comfortable in that. No, cars cars too. If you were in the back back seat, would you get sick? In many situations in cars, (sighs) it's it's very easy to get me car sick. Here's the thing about cars, though. One, I can drive them, right? So there is the option mm-hmm. for me to be in control. Yep. And two, even if I'm not driving them, almost at any time, it is reasonable for you to request that the car be stopped. That's true. Not so reasonable in a plane or a boat. Tougher sell, tougher tougher ask, as they say, with the plane. Yeah. Or a boat, because if you are four hours out to sea and you're like, I would like the waves to stop now, they'd be like, well, do you have a Star Trek transporter? But it's the only way in hell you're getting back to land is mm-hmm. that way. Otherwise, you're here for another good two hours. And by the way, we're not turning around anyway. 
Well, how did, let's see. So you went, is it okay to talk about this a little bit? Well, that's for you. Uh, I got. I wish I could do this because that it should be like a macro on my computer. If it's okay, if you feel comfortable in saying, could you please tell us where uh, you went to, Marlon? That do that okay? <clears throat> Thank you. I, I appreciate the the respect that you bring in this I the know. alternate week. Mm-hmm. My wife had a work related conference thing to go to in DC, and she they basically they paid for a hotel, they paid for her flight, and she was like, hey. You could stay here and just take care of, or not take care of, but you know, you could have, you know, a uh, single dad family life for four nights, or you, we could all three come to DC. Was it school vacation week for your daughter? Oh, God, no. Oh, we got to cover that. Oh, my mm. God. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. We've, been shamed, we've been shamed so yeah. hard. I want to come back to that. No, but so basically it was, it was a doddle. I mean, to be honest, it was, it was a, a doddle and a delight. We got fairly inexpensive, uh, two more tickets for my daughter and me <clears throat> hopped on a virgin flight and we were in dc in five hours it was great nonstop, and that was the best and then we just stayed at uh not as nice as it seemed marriott but it was near the zoo so we were in dc for four nights and you my friend you had you had quite an event adventure well my it was my kids vacation week <laughs> um, so i didn't have to do did you see that tweet? Were you the one who re were you the one who retweeted that thing about uh teaching your kids about uh second I believe was the abbreviation. Is that information uh, security? Yeah, something like that. So um, that Eva, pro- Eva woman I started following? Yeah, basically, like, the kids would take pictures on their vacation and post them to Facebook or tell their friends about what they're doing on vacation. Oh, God. And this would come to the attention of the teachers who would say, you sent us a note saying your son or daughter would be out sick for these days, but we see that they're not sick because we can see their real-time posting pictures from Disneyland. Oh, how interesting. Catching parents in the act of taking their children out of school to go on vacations and telling the school that actually they're just sick. Oh, ours, our situation is so much more grotesque quickly. I mean, like we're two of the room parents for our room. Like we're super involved, especially my wife, super involved doing tons of stuff. Like we, you know, brought in $50 worth of items to donate to the class today. We brought in, you know, tissues for everybody. Yay. You get to pull your nose like a person. We do tons of stuff and we're extremely communicative. And my wife has been like, you know, she's helped like run the auction and stuff. Like we're super involved with stuff at the school, like anybody cares. And so we'd said to the teacher twice in the, since the semester, Hey, by the way, you know, we're going to be going to on this trip and it's, it, we don't have control over when the trip is, but that's the thing we're going on. Just a heads up. Oh yeah. That's around the time we're going to be t- doing testing and stuff. I was like, yeah, yep, 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 yep. And, uh, we, my wife went in and like, uh, she wrote a note to the teacher again to remind the teacher. I think she might have gone in maybe in person and told uh, the lady at the desk in the office. Yeah, this is how it happened. She went in and talked to the lady at the desk in the office and said, just so you know, I'm letting you know she's not going to be here for four days of school. And then you had to fill out the form. And you had to basically say of all the options, they were like, you know, whatever. My child is receiving chemotherapy. My child has been abducted. I'm taking my child on vacation. It's like the only, it's a radio button, right? Was that one of the choices? You're lucky oh, yeah. that was even a choice. Oh, no, no. And we're like, well, oh, that's actually not technically true, but okay, we're taking our child on vacation. FYI, everybody knows now, dee How is that? How is that not technically true? Well, I mean, it's not a big, I, I would say what we did a couple weeks earlier was a vacation. We went on a family trip to Harry Potter land. Mm-hmm. I mean, just because you're going somewhere that doesn't suck doesn't make it a vacation. It's, you know, <laughs> it's not. So you think 
I'm trying to figure out puzzle out how this is not a vacation. Is it a vacation you, when I go somewhere to do a talk just because like I get to have room service? Is that a vacation? You're taking your child on a vacation. For it's not her, a, vacation. It's a vacation because her work is school, and you're taking her away from school, and then you're taking her to a zoo in a different city. That's a vacation. She tests very well. I'm just saying it seems like a it seems like vacation, a straight up vacation. Uh, what a dumb word it's, for that. It's not a vacation for your wife because she's going there for work. Right? Are you going there for work? Not no, really. I'm going there to take care of our child while my wife works. Right, but you don't have to go there to take care of your child. You can take care of your child wherever you are. But oh she's going God. there. Your daughter is going there, and she's going to go to a new city, and she's going to go to the zoo. And that's a vacation. Okay. Did somebody here order the good cop? Was that? I'm just saying. Like, yeah, I know you are. You're you are just saying thank you, thank you very much for that. And then every single day on vacation, because we're on vacation now, apparently. Uh, mm-hmm. Every single day, we get a call from the school. We get a robot call. Say, where, where is your daughter? She may be dead on the side truancy. of the road. And like, no, get ready because you're going to get the truancy letter. <laughs> oh, your child, your child, the truant. Do, do you, does your child get the the tardies? She has no tardies, and I think one absent the entire year. This has been a problem historically. Oh no, we're always just barely getting there. But no, she's had no tardies. I, I don't think. Well, so here's the thing about the tardies, and it's very right? shameful because so you, you got to go to the office and get a thing. So you uh, walk your daughter to school or like, you know, so that's, it's kind of like if you are late, A, you would know it because you're there and be like, I can look at my watch and see that she's supposed to be here by time X and it is after time X, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Or you can tell that you're just making it, right? But my kids take the bus to school, which is an additional expense because our tax dollars don't pay for that. Mm -hmm. And the bus comes when it comes. And Oh, interesting. I see my children get onto the bus. Right. But of course, I don't then drive to the school and see that they get off. But I presume that the bus does something and picks up other children and then arrives at the school, opens its doors, and the children leave the bus and go into the school and go to the classrooms. And yet, many years, many times, my daughter has gotten several tardies. And I'm like, how, how is this possible? Because as far as we're aware, the bus came at about the time it's supposed to come and she got on it. How is it possible for her to be late? You did your job. Many theories are supposed like, okay, well, just because the bus comes and the door is open doesn't mean your daughter gets out and goes to her classroom. Perhaps she gets out and just hangs out in the hallway and chats with her friends. And I'm like, but what is it? It's not high school. It's elementary school. Is she really hanging out in the hallway? Like, after the supposed bell has rung and she should be in her class? Like, why is she Hmm. getting tardies? That's weird. My daughter says that very often the bus doesn't arrive until much later. And I feel like if that's true, if I can trust my (laughs) six, seven or eight year old daughter, which is questionable, Hmm. um, that... The bus failed to arrive at school in time. Does every child who was on that bus get a tardy? That, I'm thinking the same thing. I mean, that's, that seems inexcusable. And the, the teachers are not sympathetic to this at all. They're like, look, when I take attendance, if your child is not there, they get a tardy. I don't care why. I don't care if the bus hasn't yet arrived at the school. I'm like, I feel like you should care if the bus hasn't yet arrived at the school because what is my seven-year-old daughter supposed to do about that? It's exactly? not It's not fundamentally different from somebody not having a key to unlock the school doors and then you counting the kids but as She's absent. not even there. She's still on a bus on its way. You take attendance. She's not there and she gets tardy. Now, who cares that the kids get it's tardy? Under, under the control of no one except the school and its related right. contractors. So as with all things with children, it's fraught because who do you believe? The teacher or your child? Uh, child. Both of which, <laughs> yeah, like... <laughs> You never know what's going on there. In the end, it doesn't really matter because who the hell cares how many tardies your child gets, but it's just the principle of the thing, but I wanna, don't want to be one of those parents. So for the most part, we let it slide, although I will note that as the teachers have changed, the number of tardies has fluctuated as well, and I feel like there is some kind of dependent, you know, there's some kind of relationship there between the teachers and the tardies. Anyway, 
Hmm. Sorry to, to sidetrack you on that. No, 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 no. So you are getting the truant. You're getting the truancy thing. I understand the need for this because here's the deal: is that the dollars that go to your school are affected by your truancy rate. So when fewer kids, and the, believe me, this comes up in one of the many, many newsletters I get every week, uh, is that hey, your kids have got to be in school. Like the, sometimes the teacher will say, like, look, they've got to be here. They've got to be here all the time. And we know that, like, we're pretty used to that. But no, I, I understand the need to do that because, like, that actually takes resources. It's my understanding, anyway, that that takes resources away from the school when when kids are absent. Not 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 that one day, but like in the aggregate. Like, you know, if there's ten percent more truancy, I'm given to believe that might mean ten percent less money from this one particular source, anyway. Have you ever heard anything like this? Might be a California thing. I have not, but we've already gone through you uh, buying tissues for the classroom. And I was just suggest that perhaps if you were to move to an area with a more substantial tax tax base, yeah, then perhaps you could find you know go somewhere where people actually make money. Yeah, then oh, uh, a pretty strong, or like pretty strong maybe base somewhere here. where where more people live, or perhaps the population density is higher. That perhaps your schools could be funded. You know what? I'll, I'll bring that up tonight. When we get home. I'll shake everybody awake, and we'll we'll talk about that. I'll I'll let you know how that goes. But if you didn't live in the, in the in the literally in the middle of an empty potato field, right, uh, right, then perhaps right. you would have the tax base available to fund your schools. But as things stand, I, I feel like you're going to have to go ahead and bring in a box of tissues. Yes, yes. You know what? You're right. Also brought in some sh- some sugar free gum. Mm-hmm. So travel. <laughs> and so, you, so, on the other hand, yeah. So it was vacation week. Oh, for, you, you consider so you consider it a vacation. Yeah. yeah, so we didn't have to deal with that business. Although the kids did miss one day of school. I'm not Ooh. sure how my wife handled Ooh. that. Uh, they missed the Friday. Uh, but did they miss the Friday? I think they missed the Friday. I don't remember. I think they might have missed one. Yeah, they did miss the Friday because they went to a different place than we did. Mm-hmm. We sent the children away with uh, <laughs> their grandparents. Um, is, and it, is that a different I, state? I personally wasn't ready to have them fly on their own. I'm not sure I will ever be. Perhaps when I'm dead, they can do that. Um, we had my uh, very gracious father fly out here. Oh, nice. And then stay over and then <gasps> accompany them. That is so sweet. Back to his place. Yes. On an airplane. Yes. Is that where you got the photos? Did, did he bring the photos with him? Uh, no, that was all. Okay, separate thing. Wow, what brother. a nice man. And a handsome fella, I got to say. So he did that. And so the kids, before we had left for our trip, the kids left for their trip, which is why they missed their one day of school. So we wanted to make sure, like, the kids are safely away. And now, you know, and then the next day we leave for our trip. So the kids stayed with their grandparents for the entire week, pretty much. And this this trip for us was sort of an early 20th wedding anniversary thing. Nothing makes you feel young, like Mm -hmm. realizing you've been married i love anniversaries what a great time Mm -hmm. to reflect on life so this this was super early because our actual anniversary is in the summer but uh but you know just figuring out when are we gonna have time to do this and scheduling and when can the grandparents take the kids and you know school vacation and all the other stuff we plan this vacation for a while my wife has always wanted to travel somewhere i hate travel this is the compromise we reached (laughs) it's not not very long travel it is to a place where people all speak english so it's like not a complicated international travel, right? How how long a flight? Like uh, the way there, it's like six hours. You the way are back, kidding! <gasps> That's wonderful! Wow! Wow! Okay. Well, I mean, like, and the other thing is, I've gone back and forth to San Francisco so many times that I can, like, I'm familiar with the six-hour flight experience. Mm-hmm. 
Although this is longer than that because it was like, you know, six hours and 50 minutes on the way back. The way back was longer. Where, the, where the San Francisco one is like six hours and change there and like five hours and change back. Yeah. Um, East West is a lot faster. Yeah. So, so yeah. And then we were in London for about a week without <sighs> any kids. So it was a vacation for us and it was a vacation for the kids because they got to go to a different state and do fun things. That's so cool. But what a, what a double weird experience. Is that your first time there? I'm guessing. First time there. First time we have ever taken a vacation without our children since either one of them was born. First time. Uh, have you been off the continent before? Uh, I've been to Canada, and I've been uh, I, I've been to the easternmost point in North America, and I've been in Newfoundland, which uh, uh, that's all still the continent. Yeah. That's amazing. That's that's so weird. What a reboot for you! It's like you teleported to a different life. It wasn't that de- uh, that weird because uh, you know I do live in New England, which is surprisingly mm. similar hmm. uh, in, to actual England, to old England, as they say. People talk different, but... Uh, yeah, you've got an elderly monarch with corgis. Yeah. Um, a lot of that. Thick thick money. You've got the thick money of Boston. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do feel like, by the way, that my experience watching BBC programming, and in particular Doctor Who, mm-hmm. prepared me very well for the look and character of the people of London. Oh, man. I loved it. Right? Because, I, I mean, a lot of the Doctor Who, like the 2005 reboot, like, you know, it's 2005 London, and... I'm right. there in 2017 London, so things are a little bit different, but I feel like I absorbed enough of the fashion sense and the people, and I'm, I'm noticing this too, like, I've been on a kick lately of identifying hereditary facial characteristics, like, you know, you're looking at old photos or whatever, you're like, oh, look, there's like, there's dad's nose through the ages, right? <laughs> you, can, <laughs> right. you can, or just like, this little lower lip thing that my mom has and look at these 17 relatives, people related to her, like you see the same damn lower lip, you're, right? But you're, I mean, like, seriously, you're, the ones you put up on Slack, your family resemblances are are startling. It's really amazing how much you in particular look like your dad. It's amazing. So, and this is a thing that I think most of us either accept in our own families where you, you, know, you look at your own family picture and you see like, I see, I mean, I see it when I look at your daughter, I see your face in her so much, right? Basically, I'm, I'm much more familiar with your face than your wife. So obviously yeah. I'm going to see you more in it, but, but like, you know, starling, right? Mm-hmm. So going to, going to England, right? You don't realize how much you see. I mean, it's got, for all these things, it's got to be like, you know, you tri- there was, there was a one time far fewer human beings on the planet than there are now, Right. Mm-hmm. Um, smaller number of them and whatever traits they had spread from these few individuals out to many. I mean, this is even the whole thing about like Genghis Khan and how, you know, how many people have genetic material from Genghis Khan and that mm-hmm. just because of when he ruled and how many kids he had. But if, you, but if you trace it backwards and backwards and backwards, there's a small number of things here. And so you think like that everybody more or less looks the same everywhere. But because I see people on television even if it's just celebrities and you start like identifying like things in people's faces, like that bit of cheekbone and ear looks like a young Judy Dench because we know oh, celebrities, we know right. what celebrities faces look like. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I was playing this game with the people of London trying to, uh, to distinguish with their faces and their wardrobe and everything tourist or local. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, And not cheating by like, you know, if they have a camera around their neck or whatever, you know, like, but just by like, just by looking at their facial features and, and mapping it to which celebrity I know who's known to be from Scotland, <laughs> right? You know what I right. mean? Yeah, yeah, and I do, saying, I do. 
I do the same thing. I try to go like, is, is that person Russian? Like, I, I'm always like, yeah, I love yeah. that game. Like, that bit of nose reminds me of this celebrity. This celebrity is from Scotland. Therefore, that person is going to speak with the Scottish accent. And they open their mouth and they talk and they have a Scottish accent. And you're like, yep. they're not wearing the flag of Scotland. They're not carrying bagpipes. <laughs> so I pick that up entirely from subtleties of their facial features, which must be traced back to some small number of individuals who happen to have this little part of their lip that looks like that. <laughs> and it's the whole thing of, like, you know, that, that humans are so attuned to... Faces, faces yeah. you know, to, to be able to pick up these these subtle details. But it was it was fascinating. And then on top of that, you know, from a distance, the sort of the wardrobe and how people dress, which seems it seems like basically it's it's not mirror universe United States. It's just like it's just like one degree off of United States reality. And again, I would see people wearing things and various styles that remind, remind me of people in the background on Doctor Who uh, from again from the 2005 reboot of Doctor Who, not right. even like the modern Doctor Who. Um. I, and I wasn't even just recognizing players. They're like, that person looks like they could be an extra on Doctor Who. Or like, that person dresses like somebody I know who's also from London. Like, I went to London and suddenly all of Mike Hurley was explained because I looked around uh-huh. and I saw a bunch of people who looked and dressed like Mike Hurley. Were I'm they like, carrying oh. things that were orange? Well, you know, wearing decorative scarves, having having hipster beards. Like, Because uh, I know what like a, sure. a, a United States hipster looks like and our San Francisco hipster looks like. I know what, you know. Sure. But... For the London people, I know a small number of people from London, and I go to actual London, and the city is full of them. I'm like, oh, wow. this makes sense now. Uncanny. Yeah, so it was an exciting uh, people-watching experience. It was exciting to hear all the fun accents. It was also one of the more exciting things for me was that so many people in London, obviously this is, makes sense, speak French uh, and Italian. And really? so, like, you know, For example, if you go to New York City, you will hear much more Spanish than you will French. Uh, but in London, I heard way more French than I ever expected to, and way more Italian, um, and a little smattering of German. Having people who speak with a British accent but are multilingual, because like you know, so few people in the United States are multilingual. Um, like outside the British Museum, hearing the person directing the lines casually switch between seven different languages, directing people to a different place, right? Yeah, and it's also it's also exciting to see like they they have so many people from like what like Pakistan, India living there with these these heavy british accents i I always think that's really cool it was strange to hear i'm gonna say like unaccented english because when i meet someone from uh you know pakistan or india like in in new york city i expect them to speak english with an accent of you know Mm -hmm. their native land if they were a recent immigrant whereas they're my impression is they are not recent immigrants in London and they just sound like Londoners, like 100%, like completely, quote unquote, unaccented, uh, you know, as opposed to the, the people who are speaking French who are, you know, obviously have terribly accent. I th- I'm assuming most of the French people are tourists. Like, again, if we're trying to identify them as like families with kids who are walking around with nothing to do like us, they've got to be tourists. And the same thing with uh, Italians and Germans. But, right. Um, but yeah, it was uh, it was a very nice city. Everybody was super friendly. I thoroughly enjoyed hearing everybody's accents and trying not to smile every time. Oh, the little kids is the worst. The little kids and, oh, and like man. German and French and British saying all, like whining in with different languages, different accents. Like you recognize what they're saying, even <laughs> though you don't know what they're saying. Like, come on, a little kid with the British accent, it's the cutest thing. Oh, it's adorable. I don't think we're supposed to. I think I think that's racist of us to do that, but like they it is mummy so... They say for crying out loud. Mummy, they say that's mummy. so cute. Well, um, so what did you, did you see anything that was cool? Well, we just did touristy stuff. I had no real agenda, which was frustrating to my wife. Like, oh, what do you want to do? Like, whatever, whatever you want to do. I love not having just... an agenda. Oh, I love it. I, lo- I love, I mean, like, low expectations serve me so well when I travel. 
Yeah, my wife would rather have an agenda for everything and wanted to have an opinion, but honestly, I was willing to do anything. So we did all the touristy things you can do in them. Or almost all of them. Mm. We did a tremendous amount of walking. On the second day there, I think we walked 15 miles. You was, showed your, whatever that was, was too your much. Fitbit chart or whatever that was. It was crazy. That was a pedometer plus plus. You had yeah. over, over 20,000 steps in one day? Yeah, like we had over 30,000. Like ah. my, my stats are a little bit off because I didn't have GPS on because I didn't have... Uh, Access. So we're comparing. My wife's, I trust, is accurate because she's got GPS on the whole time. She's got the the Apple Watch too with GPS built in. She's got her phone with GPS built in. She had a data plan when she was there. So everything. Mine oh, was in airplane mode the whole time, right? So all I'm getting is the motion sensing. That's why my numbers are off. But her numbers showed over 15 miles on our biggest day. That's insane. Averaging about 10 miles per day and 20,000 steps. That's crazy. Why didn't you take the subway? Because he wanted to do we it did. on foot. Some, we did. Too. We took every form of transportation you could possibly. Is there oh, that much London it. that you could walk fifteen miles? That seems bananas. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we're 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 big walkers. I mean, like by what we'd do is like we just walk one place and say, oh, we can go to the next place. Oh, we'll walk to the next place, and we'd be like, oh, well, if we're too tired, we'll just take the the you know the subway back home. Um, but very often we would just find ourselves walking in a circle and ending up back home. A few days we did get pretty far out and said, okay, let's take the subway back home. But for the most part, we were, you know, willing to, things are close enough together that you go to one thing and then you go to the restaurant where you're going to have lunch. Then you go to the next thing and you go to the next thing. And just a series of short hops will add up to 15 miles pretty quickly. (laughs) And here's the key. Yeah. No kids with you. So no one is whining that it's long. I don't want to walk and blah, blah, blah. You're able to just, I wish I had my other set of shoes. Mm-hmm. You would have been carrying your kids and all their belongings by mile two. Yeah. Me? Everybody. Yeah. 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 Are you glad you went? Yeah, it was nice. Mm-hmm. Nice to get home, though. Yeah. I'm, I'm a homebody. I don't ah, get anywhere. I love, I love getting fine. home. The trip back always from wherever, whether it's for work or a vacation, as you call it. Ugh. But when you come home, it's like, man, that trip back, it always seems like that's the flight that gets delayed. Like, we came back from Joko Cruz, our, 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 uh, Flight out of Florida was delayed by like nine hours. We were just at an airport and for like hours and hours and hours. And it's like, it just always feels like that's when the delays come. That's when just everything feels like it takes so long. That's when the flight back. And it's just so nice to walk in the door. Nothing's caught on fire. Everything is fine. And it's like, I finally get relief for the first time the whole vacation when I get home. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like we've been, I, I personally have been impressing my luck with air travel in Doing it so rarely and avoiding most of the worst of the horror stories. I have had a few right, right, right. delays and bad experiences, but in general. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so like every time, like we we had uneventful, smooth flights to and from. We with our usual like let's be at the airport insanely early. We were so early on on our return flight they wouldn't even let us check in. Oh, really? That's how I like to be. Oh, they wouldn't. They said, sorry, your flight is too far in the future for you to proceed through the airport any farther. Just like basically sit here. Uh, You can't even enter the process of getting on your plane. It's like my uh, my uh, Apple store problem. You're just you're just too damn early. There's no they don't have a slot for you. Yeah, you're too early to even begin. That is kind of embarrassing when you go up to check your bags and they're like, um, you know when doing you're doing here or worse they'll just be like you you know when your flight is right like yep 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 well they're they're very polite in you know right london they're not gonna they're gonna say that although here one thing i encountered uh at heathrow that i had never encountered before is the self baggage check have you seen these mm, i don't think so so you've got bags um we we didn't get an email saying it's 24 hours before your flight check in we didn't get that 
And so we're like, oh, well, we'll check in when we get to the airport, like, you know, like in the old ways. Yeah. <laughs> right. And very often there's like, you know, just a kiosk you can go to and do like how many people, how many bags, blah, 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 boop, boop, boop. Yep. Uh, and then it's like, okay, well, go. If you have any bags that you want to check, go get in this line for people who want to check baggage. You get in that line, you show them your thing. They take a big, long sticker. They wrap it around the handle of your suitcase. They weigh it. They send it off down in the little, the little you know, conveyor belt and off you go, right? That's the normal checking yeah, bags. right. Thing. Classic. Right? In Heathrow, they had self-check-in where you go to the kiosk. They also had go to this machine and just like self-check out of the supermarket. You press a bunch of buttons to print out your own big, long sticky tags. What? You take those sticky tags and wrap them around your own uh, suitcase. You take a little scanny gun and scan <sighs> the, the giant barcode that's on a long sticky tag, put it on the conveyor belt and send they it trust, along. They trust civilians with that? So here's the thing about this. This is another one of those like consumer experience things. This is another reason why I never go to the self-checkout. I think I described on some earlier podcast my instant paralysis at, at the first time I encountered a voice-activated phone tree in, like, 1990-whatever. Like, you know, if you would like the blah-blah-blah department, say X. And you remember, do you remember hearing me talk about that? I think so, yeah. Yeah, like, where I couldn't speak because I because I was like, is this a joke? Is this, like, candid camera? How can How can it be understanding what I'm going to say, we're like, well, but maybe if it's a limited vocab, this is, this is very early. This is before we all take this for granted now, but this is like the very first one of these I had encountered many, many years ago. And so I couldn't just use the thing like a normal person. I had to think about how this is even possible. So <laughs> for, for the, for the checkout thing, you go there and you do a bunch of stuff and it prints out, uh, your very long skinny white sticker with barcodes all over it that you have to put on your suitcase. Right. And having watched airport, you know, check-in desk people expertly put on that sticker a million times. I feel like I'm ready for this. I know how these stickers go on because we've all seen them do. They do it so well, like zoop, 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 pull off the back and zoop, stick together. Stop, you know what I mean? They do it all day. They're really good at it. Yeah. But for the self checkout one, the thing they print is not the thing that the quote unquote professionals get printed out of their kiosk. Instead, it's like the training wheels, you dummy civilian, use this sticker so you can't screw it up thing and but this sticker because it's not what i'm familiar with and because like uh, like again paralysis sets in i'm like i think i know how these work but this one has a clear plastic film it has the, the backing on it but you peel the backing off and underneath that is a clear plastic film over the entire back of the thing with big red words on it trying to explain to you how to do it and it's like pull here dummy slide this part under the handle of your thing dummy stick here dummy wow right but I'm looking at him going, okay, so I pull here and I pull the clear plastic off, revealing the sticky part of the long sticker. Right. And then the clear part that I'm pulling from the giant pull here dummy sticker, like peel, peel, peel. And it gets about, you know, less than midway through the length of the thing and stops. Okay. And it won't peel any further. And I'm like, am I just not applying sufficient force to peel it? Because surely I have to peel this clear plastic film off the entire length of the sticker. Because in the million times I've seen people do this. They do it in a two-step process, but basically the entire sticky back of the thing is revealed and it sticks to itself, right? At the ends, right. sticky to sticky, right? That's how these things work. And I peel this thing off and it reveals the sticky part, but the other end says stick here, but the clear plastic film is not coming off anymore. And so I'm like, wait a second, I know how these work, but this, like, what are they telling me to stick the sticky part onto the clear plastic film? That seems like something that won't stick or that the clear plastic film will come off and this will separate and I'll lose my baggage Yeah, tag. right. You got no tag. Yeah. I need to have sticky to sticky to, to make this to make this system work. How, how did you resolve it? 
So I looked at what I had peeled up. I looked at, you know, oh, I, I did the pull here, dummy. And I peeled it off. And I saw that it had it had revealed, it had peeled back from the sticky area on, on almost half of the sticker, but not the full width. It had left two skinny strips of clear still on that end that I had peeled back. Okay. And I was like, well, maybe, maybe I didn't get the end all the way. And those two, those two side things should have come up too. And maybe it's like kind of like when you start peeling tape off the roll and you don't get the whole piece of tape and you're now you're just peeling the skinny piece oh, down the middle. Right. You know what and I mean? Then it gets worse every every round. Yeah. Right. So I went back to the end, peeled off the two end things and got it down to where now I'm pulling the entire width of the clear stuff. Okay. And eventually removed the clear backing from the entire length of the thing. And then I had a fully revealed, fully sticky long thing that was underneath the handle of my thing and i put the ends together and expertly slid them together and did sticky to sticky and sent that thing off on its way all right yeah that's bag number one okay at this point bag number one is gone so far so good with bag number one Mm -hmm. bag number two comes out same deal the thing prints out by this point my brain had had time to work on this problem and said you super duper dummy it's not made to be a puzzle when they say peel here and stick here just do what it says and trust that it is a system that works because there's no way in hell they expect normal people to find those little clear ends and pull them back and do the whole thing there's no way that they would expect people to figure that out right so the second bag comes out and i slide the thing under peel back and stick here just like it says right on top of the clear plastic stuff and i just don't think about it i'm like i did what you said and i look at it and i'm like that'll probably stay and here's the thing, when, for the first, this is what really convinced me. For the first one, after I'd done it, I'd peeled the whole plastic thing off, put it together, slid it on, put it on the conveyor belt. What am I left with? I'm left with in my hand the wadded up clear thing. Okay. And I'm looking around. What am I supposed to do with this wadded up clear thing they just peel off the back of the sticker? There's no garbage cans anywhere. I'm like, surely if this was the way you were supposed to do this, there would be either a giant wad of these clear things somewhere or a garbage can to put them in. Sure. But there was neither. So this also convinced me that you're not supposed to peel the plastic thing off entirely. You're supposed to peel back the part that it says to peel back, leave it attached, fold it over, stick the sticky part on the gigantic stick here dummy label, and just be satisfied that the system will work without thinking about, like, how can this possibly work? So for the second bag, I did it the intended way, put the bag on the the conveyor belt, and was all set to go. Except for the when I put the bag in the conveyor belt, like, you know when you go on the counter and you put your bag up, like, to be weighed or whatever? usually you're rolling your bag along with all roller bags with the right. handles. You put you put the handle down. It's still vertical at this point. You pick the bag up by the top handle. You put it on a little thing and it weighs it. Yeah. Either it weighs everything in kilograms. So I have no idea what that means anyway. So I'm like, whatever. It's about, about two. Yeah. <laughs> it's five stone, whatever that means. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and so, again, with the conveyor belt, it's like, okay, uh-huh. push the handle down in your roller thing, pick it up by the top handle, put it on the thing. It's weighed. Put the sticker on the right way this time. And, like, the conveyor belt automatically rolls it away. Mm-hmm. And then the machine goes boop, 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 and it's oh, all no. boopity booping because there's no way to go through a self-checkout or anything else without getting yelled at by a machine. And it's because it had got caught between two conveyor belts, like the one conveyor belt converts into another, you know, transitions into another. Oh, but the, uh, the, was, hand, the conveyor belt handoff. Yeah, the, but the wheels are down. Mm-hmm. And so now it's in a situation where the conveyor belt's trying to move, but all it's doing is like spinning the wheels because oh, no. it's wheels down again. Because <gasps> it just was wheels down, you know what I mean? Oof. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I feel like this is an important part that the "Hey, pull here, dummy" sticker should have conveyed, which is if this conveyor belt is not going to work if you put it wheels down, which is how everybody's going to pick up their bag because it's rolling and you just push the handle down. Yeah, you got to you got to do it like you're going through screening in America. You got to put it on its uh, laying on its back. 
Like you like when you do a backpack. Well, in in America, I don't put them that way. In America, I put them the same way, and then the person grabs it off the scale and chucks it on the conveyor belt behind. I'm them. I'm talking about when you go through the screening and you got to go through the X-ray machine. Like you always put your backpack flat. Right? Yeah, but this is not the backpack. Like, it, like my responsibility for the luggage in America is I pick it up and I put it on that scale to make sure it's under the weight. Yes. Then the person at the desk takes it off that scale and does whatever with it. But I never see that. So in You've this already thing, handed it I was, off at that point. That's their job. In this now. thing, I was I was putting it up on the scale vertically and mm-hmm. let it sit there. But then the conveyor belts just take it away in that position. Then it gets stuck, and then we get yelled at by a not so nice British lady who told us the the wheels are down, dummy. Oh and no! You, you should know that you shouldn't put your thing that way. And then they proceed to mess everything up by reversing it and trying to print out a second label, oh, and then no. having the machine oh. yell at us that we have too many bags. And First, we should you're, know. you're embarrassed. You're embarrassed by the situation you put your bag in, and that lady just really drives it home. We got scolded, and then and then my wife is angry at the lady because my wife is not angry that the lady has done something wrong because she did because she's like printing out another label, and then we're getting yelled out at the machine that you have too many bags, and we're like, we don't need another label. That bag is already labeled. We just need it. Just got stuck in the conveyor. Just make it go through. So then she has to go behind the desk and roll her eyes at us and like cancel out the label that she just erroneously printed, right? That we told her, please don't print. We already have a label, but she didn't listen because we're dumb Americans. Blimey. And so now we have this <laughs> label that needs to be voided and deleted. And we're now we don't know if our luggage is, you know, you know, like eventually the situation is resolved. More eye rolling ensues. She puts our baggage on its back, which we should have known to do somehow magically. Um, God, it's all, this is all very, this makes, this is very stressful to me. You hear this, this is why you get to the airport four hours early. So yes. You have time to have these encounters. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. And so, did you ever arrive at a sense of what you should have done with the plastic, the clear plastic part? You're not supposed to peel it off. You should do this. I did the second one correctly. The way they expect you to is do that, it. Is that to make for easy removal at some point? Is there something you're missing? Here's my, here's my theory about why they work the way they do. One, sticky to sticky is a dangerous situation, as we all know, with stickers. <laughs> okay. I don't know why that's funny to me. <laughs> sticky you to sticky is a dangerous I situation. I said it like six times and I was waiting for you to snicker at it and like the sixth time it hit you, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what it's like when you have the, the, the sticky, two sticky surfaces. Oh, forget it. And you're trying to, like if you misalign them and t- just briefly touch them to each other and if your instinct is, oh, I want to undo that and redo it and try to peel them apart, it's just a mess. Well, so no, I mean, if you're, them- if you're, whether it's scotch tape or duct tape, gorilla tape, any of those, you tear off a long strip of that to do whatever, and it's almost certainly going to flip over just enough that some part grabs another part. Yeah, and remember, like with the luggage tags, as we well know, the whole move is you're going to take two extremely long, sticky ends and stick them completely to each other, sticky-to-sticky. It's very difficult to get those thing. aligned right, I bet. I bet, I bet. Yeah, you, yeah. And of course, the people who do the counter all day are experts at it, and I feel like, you know, I'm pretty good at it after watching them do it and, like, miming my mind. I could do that sticky-to-sticky thing. I did a pretty good job with the first one. It was pretty darn well aligned. Yeah. But I think they can't trust most people to do that. So mm-hmm. the idea... And also... It's very long and, you know, it starts like twisting in the wind and, you know, folds over on itself. So what they want you to do is stick the thing under the handle of your luggage first before any sticky part is exposed. Peel back the part that it tells you to peel back, dummy. <laughs> Fold it over on itself and stick the sticky part to the stickier dummy part. The stickier dummy part still has the plastic film on it, so it's not sticky. Mm-hmm. That's what they want you to do. And it's also the, the clear plastic part is smooth enough that I feel like if you had to undo it and redo it, you'd have a shot at it. Right, if you felt like it was misaligned, that is what they want you to do. And at that point, no clear plastic has actually come off. You peeled back some clear plastic, but it has not come off because it's still attached. So there is no clear plastic waste. It, feel, it feels like this is something you've you've really been turning over in your mind. It's a very it must have been a, a very uh, memorable event for you. It feels like this is this is something that's you've been your brain's been burning some cycles on this. 
Do you feel like are you, are you concerned that you did it wrong? Background processing. I just I just thought it was a, it was a new experience in uh, in airport stuff. Well, some people replay dumb things they said to girls. In your case, you're thinking about the clear clear plastic and the uh, sticky to sticky situation. Yeah, that, I mean, not, not thinking about trip, that much. It's, just, I just, it's one of it's one of the more eventful parts of the the airport experience that we had, and the security in in uh, in the UK is a little bit different than in America as well. So I had to I, I'd never uh, been familiar with. Those procedures in terms of what you're supposed to put, like in, in the United States, I know the drill about laptop in its own tray by itself with nothing else there, nothing in your pockets, you know, all the liquids, things when and you don't do or don't have to take off your shoes. Like I'm pretty up to snuff on all that stuff. Yeah. But in the UK, I have no idea what the rules are. So I'm coming in for the first time trying to listen to instructions and honor all posted signs. And it is a little bit different. They had me take my iPad out. Whereas in America, I've thus far been allowed to keep it in. Yeah, last couple of years, you just iPads just go through, or like small laptops. Right, but in the UK, iPads had to come out. They were named explicitly by the people uh, mournfully repeating their same, uh, you know. Once again, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, they did have a nice accent, so it just does help. They were okay with multiple iPads in the same bin. Didn't have to take off my shoes. No, that's unusually. Usually, I feel like I, you're supposed to not not stack the electronics. They want everything to be like on one plane. I agree, but then here they were like, no, just, just stack them. And everything everything is, was fine. It's, all, it's the little things, the little differences that get you. Yep. Nothing in your pockets, not even like tissues or a piece of paper or your boarding pass. Like they were very adamant not, about not literally a thing, nothing not in your pockets. Atom. Yep. So nothing in the pockets. Mm-hmm. And I was surprised at how many times a handheld metal detector was used on me in the UK. Huh. Like for, Do you think that's a, post, the, that's a post IRA type situation? Not just at the airport, but no, no, all just what I mean. Like of... they're security conscious after you know what happened in the eighties, right. seventies, and, and, and 80s. in fact, at the Amy Main, Amy Main concert, they had yeah. uh, handheld metal detectors. Oh, right, right. And she gets probably gets a lot of the crazies. Sure, insurgencies, yeah, yeah. Um, when I got to the uh, to Heathrow, you know, I'm pff, I'm the same way. I'm like, it's like I, it's you know, again, it's always like the soup Nazi where I'm like thinking like, okay, I, I don't want to do anything wrong. For a long time, I was really proud of my unblemished record of making it through. TSA with never making a beep, never holding up the line. I was very proud. And I'm so I'm hustling and I'm trying to, you know, basically I want everyone to love me. And so I want everyone in that line to, to basically be able to look at me and go, look, see that guy right there? That's the way you do it. So I'm hustling around. I'm making eye contact. I look like a wounded puppy. I take off my shoes. Guy goes, the guy shakes his head as though I have just shat myself in front of everyone. He goes, sir, so this is Britain. <laughs> I'm like, thank God, I'm so sorry. You're right. Why did I do that? Why did I take off my shoes? I'm, that's... It, he was he was embarrassed for me that I had taken mm. off my shoes. It was it was like it was like I'd stripped down on my underwear and done a fancy dance, sir. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I've pretty been pretty good about not holding up the line. I think the only time that I've had an issue, and this is a, a lesson I learned, which may not actually be true because it's the best kind of lesson. The whole you know the whole hand swiping thing that was going on for a while, like oh, swap yeah. your hands. Oh, I get that. I, I I I have a pair of pants that no matter what, whenever I wear these pants, I always get pulled aside for special screening because apparently I have gunpowder pants. Always, I always get I always get smudged with the little diaper wipe. Yeah, so I had a thing. I think it was an O'Hare where maybe multiple times uh, I had the the finger swabbing machine yell at me. And then it had to be pulled aside. And during the course of, uh, I'm trying to make small talk with the person, which is probably the worst thing you do. So, like, mm-hmm. what do you think the deal is? Why is this going off? Because obviously, I'm not, I'm not a crazy bomber. Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. Try to, you know. Anyway, the, the, it's like telling a woman you're not a creep. <laughs> it's like the worst thing you can say. Yeah. So the idea, the idea <laughs> that was presented to me at least once, possibly multiple times, was that dandruff shampoo. Oh yeah, like head and shoulders dandruff shampoo 
potentially has some kind of chemicals it's in got it. P, it's got uh, PAHs. It's got polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons. And like, so like I use uh, that brown stinky Neutrogena. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's got coal tar basically. And coal tar reads as, in the, in the, the matter splatter scanner, coal tar reads as something like gunpowder. Yeah, and so it would be on my hands because you're using your hands to apply the shampoo and they're not swabbing your hair. And so that's how it comes up. So now, since that experience, I've been very conscious that the day before I fly, I do not use <laughs> that brand of shampoo. It's a different brand because I don't want to. chicken bones. Set oh, the stuff the, will do to be loved by TSA. You just want to, you just want to get through and get out. And I love, I love this thing. I, I mean, I, that phrase, that Cory Doctorowish phrase, you know, security theater is overused but it is really really quite funny it is it is comical the amount of focus that gets put onto something that is virtually meaningless and then how much stuff i mean the one that always gets me is when like you're spending all this time inspecting you know this old lady's wheelchair or making sure this baby i mean i i I get you got to search the baby because the baby could be a bomb i get that you know actually if we're going to get really israeli about this i understand the need to treat everybody honestly like they're like they're a terrorist i but it's not it's not equally applied and then suddenly you know old gus comes through with a giant garbage container gets a wave and just goes walking right into that area with this like with this like uh like a three-yard dumpster of stuff and you're like wait a minute really like just because that guy like works at the uh at the at the hot chicken place you're gonna let him just wheel in here with this giant barrel of stuff does it think about it? I mean, like in, in 2017, if you wanted to cause havoc, would you do it with underwear and shoes? Or would you look for somebody who would bring a device, a small device into the airport for something like $500? Don't you think? I mean, it's comical. And then, so the beauty part is we get up there and you know, sometimes they take pity on you if you got kids, kids can leave their shoes on now. Both times we got there, they they said, are you three together? I'm like, yeah, yeah. It's like, okay, it's okay. And they wave you through. They take you over to just the metal detector instead of the matter scatter splanter, right? <laughs> and they, they move this thing that my daughter and I have come to call the freedom board. So they have a board. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> that blocks the, the easier it's, access line. It's held up with like a plastic lawn chain, mm-hmm. right? And the, I was like, look, they're going to move the freedom board. They're going to let us through. And it's got like a TSA logo on it. And it's so comical. And I'm just wondering how much they paid somebody to put the TSA logo on like a, a piece of plywood that they could strap to the uh, to the metal detector so nobody's going to get through there. Comical. Yeah, one of the fringe benefits of having kids is, also here's the thing. Here's the, uh, very very often, they'll allow the mother and the child to go yes. through the good way. Yes. Sometimes the dad gets singled out and is not allowed to be part of the family unit for the purposes of, of uh, agreeing that ahead of time that you're probably not going to blow everybody up. Yeah. So I have been, I have that experience a few times. Usually I try to glom on to the family unit and say, I'm part of this family too. Those are my children. Can <laughs> I'm I, a useless can, cock. Let me through. <laughs> can I Can I go through the the nice faster metal detector and <laughs> can not you move have the to freedom go board the, for me too? <laughs> and honestly, I don't care about the low millimeter wave thing. Like I, I really? never went through the radiation thing. I, I opted out every single time when those things were there. But now that all those machines are gone, I'm not afraid to know what radio waves. I don't really care about the nudie picture thing. Whatever. Uh, it's just mostly normally that it is a longer, it's a longer wait. To oh, get and through it's, there, it's a high, get, the, with the ridiculous number of false positives you get on this things, it's just in the net. It just makes right, everything go longer. And then you get the padding down on the other side. You want to go through the metal detector because yeah. just because it's faster. Absolutely. Right? And Absolutely. so I want to be part of the, like, these are my children uh, too. Uh, can I, if I just walk real close to them, will you wave us all through? And usually they will. Yep. Last thing. Um, 
You know what I wasn't prepared for in DC? Spanish Inquisition. What's that? The Spanish Inquisition. Nobody expects the um mm-hmm. the amount of people cicadas. In- it's not that year, is it? Cicadas, uh, cherry blossoms. No, the all the Donald Trump clothes. People wearing like kids with their families and everybody's wearing Donald Trump clothes because they're there well, to go look at the White House because Donald Trump is there. I was utterly yeah, unprepared well, for that. I mean, you figure it like it's the, the tourist business, right? So who is going to yeah. to uh, D.C. as a touristy kind of vacation? People who want to see the the things that are there. Who is not going to D.C. on a vacation? <laughs> people who hate Donald Trump. Right. So now all you're left with are people who both want to go to see the White House and the Lincoln Memorial and so on and so forth, and who also don't hate Donald Trump. And then you're going to get your people wearing Trump stuff. Sending you a photo. I uh, I really wanted to get outside of all the museums. My favorite part, I mean, love the zoo. The panda was amazing, but I love the museums. Um, we went to Air and Space, went to American History, um, went to um, the Native American one. Uh, Did you go to the same air and space one I went to? I was confused. No, about you how went many to the one in Virginia. I think are. you went to the the other one, the one that has a big SR seventy one and a space shuttle. Is the one I went to. That's not the one you went to. There's there's technically two. They have a second one now. I think that's the one you went to. This one, no, this is the one on uh, on the mall, like the the one that's been around that I went to mm. in 1980. Yeah, you got the uh, you got the Wright brothers plane. You got the Apollo 11 thing. I got to see a Saturn rocket engine. We saw an IMAX movie. It's like ah, oh, it's so great. But I really should have taken a photo of, like, because outside of every, pretty much anywhere there's an entrance to something, there will be one guy outside yelling about ice cold water. There will be a, uh, like, hot dog and various foods stand, pretzels. And then there will be somebody with a truck selling uh, DC crap, include lots of DC crap. And so I don't know if you got, this is this is the one I just sent you is from the I got airport. It. I see an Obama hat hiding in there too. I know, I know. Well, look at look at the bobbleheads. Didn't yeah, that break your heart? Hillary, you got a Hillary. You got hat Hillary. There, you yeah. got Obama. You got and you got Trump wearing his own hat as a bobblehead, making a thumbs up. You got the Statue of Liberty, very popular in Washington D.C. But no, I should have taken a picture of those because that's where you had the real terrible like fake Minecraft shirts with Donald Trump mm-hmm. on it, and like you know that kind of horrible like dystopian mashup stuff you get in tourist areas. You know, uh, keep a casual mon with you know Bart Simpson. <laughs> I feel like London, London shop junk shops with tourist crap um, were pretty much all on the same page. Like no matter which one you went to, they all had the same seven T-shirts, the same seven magnets. Like there was a uniformity to the tourist junk swag that I found impressive, as opposed to what you're describing, which is more like in America. I feel like yes, there's tons of tourist junk, but lots of variety in like the off-brand Bart Simpson weird unlicensed merchandise and right. but lots of different ones like the, there would be a, a spectrum whereas london right. this is, is donald trump made out of seashells exactly yeah so this anyway this looks like a very <laughs> very busy complicated stand and i'm wondering wondering who's buying this stuff but, i do too you know. i love when um parks and rec then they go to london and ron wants to buy a uh a, the only thing he sees that he likes in all of london is a postcard that's pure black and it says london at night he titters mm-hmm. to himself <laughs> and offers to pay the guy in American money. He's like, I'm sorry, sir. We can't accept American money. He says, this, this is the most beautiful piece of paper in the world. Of course you accept it. And the guy's like, no, I'm sorry, sir. We can't take your money. <laughs> he says, very well. Enjoy yeah. the fact that your royal overlords are a frail old woman and a tiny baby. <laughs> I was uh, there for a week, but not there long enough for my brain to accept that stuff as real money. Oh, but it's it's so cool. It's really uh, it's mm. really thick. There's too it's many. Weird. There's too many different. I love I love the coins, but there's just there's 
them and Canada, just too many different coins. Very confusing. There's a lot of different coins, and not not that and they're we different. Should be they look throwing. different. They look different. It's like yeah. pick a quarter. Yeah, but but like we shouldn't be throwing stones. We got the whole dime, nickel, penny situation with sizing that is all over the map. They have the same situation, but spread across more coins. Where yeah, the you, denominations are. You get the penny, penny half farthing. You get the 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 tuppence general. You get. There's so many different ones. Yeah, and but like, but like a reasonable system would be that you they they get bigger and or thicker with increasing denominations or yeah. or the reverse. Uh, so we can't really complain because, like I said, we've got we've got the dime nickel penny situation, which is a mess in terms of thickness and, and diameter uh, as they map to oh, value. It's, it's ridiculous, right? And then you've got like the the well in our day the Susan B Anthony the big giant uh, thing, but then you got the fifty cent, and then now we have the the dollar coins that are a little bit gold. So we're we're kind of a mess too, but we have fewer coins, so I feel like it makes it. Reasonable, but but they're paper bills, and now they have plastic bills. Do you know about the plastic bills? Yeah, they have the in in, in the Dutch. Yeah, no, in 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 uh, in the UK. Oh, in the UK, they got the plastic. Okay, and yeah, and talk about fake money. It's like, yeah, what, right. are you kidding me? Are you kidding? Like, speaking of plastic stuff, recently one of my credit cards that seems to be replaced way more often than I want it to be, which causes havoc with all my online stuff. Yeah, gave us a metal card. Ugh. I was like, don't be guys, cute. Don't be cute, guys. Like. No, the, no. One of the big advantages of plastic is they yeah. can bend pretty far before springing back to its original state. Perfectly, you know, what metal does metal kinks. Mm. Right now, plastic kinks too if you bend it too far. But like in general, if I was to characterize which one of these things kinks more, yeah, I'd say metal kinks uh, more than credit card plastic. It's like so when they make me, it's like when they make Marco put a sticker on his car. Like, don't do this to me. I got to live with this. Yeah, why are you giving me a met? Like, is it supposed to be like a fancier thing? You've made no, this credit that's, card. That's worth. not, that's oh, not fancy, John. That's not fancy. Here's, here's the other thing. Yeah. They take the numbers off the front. What? No numbers on the front of the card. Why? Nothing on the front. Your name's not on the front of the card. Is the it like one of those DOS keyboards? You're supposed to just like guess what it is? That's yeah, weird. No numbers on the front of the card. It's the only thing on the front of the card is like their logo and like you can see the, the chip thing, right? Hmm. Guess where everything is? Hmm. It's on the back of the card. Oh, come on. You Who's turn the helping? card over, and you got the little part where you sign your name That's or whatever. So, never you, sign your name. You That's it's worse and more diverse. Why are you doing that? Why are they doing that? that? Makes no sense. And you know what the numbers are? They're uh, not raised. Well, no, really, they're not raised. It's <gasps> just a perfectly flat, smooth thing with what? numbers printed on it. Numbers in very thin, you know, sort of non, uh, you know, low contrast type on the back of this noisy card, right next to the 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 CCV whatever yeah. CVV. Mm-hmm. Free, yeah, you remember right. And the expiration date, all non-raised numbers, all tiny type. That's garbage. That is on, a garbage on a, card. On a you metal sure that's card. even real? Send me a photo of both sides of that. So I want to see is, that. This is not just this card. The, no. the thing on the back of the card, watch for it in like the next card that you get from Ugh. whatever card. They're putting the numbers on the back. They're not raised anymore. The metal thing is... Uh, no, this I'm going mi- to miss thing. that. I used to enjoy that when they had the chunkity chunk machine. I used to love that. My new pet peeve... My new pet peeve is like, first of all, there's the pet peeve, the general pet peeve that more places don't even, they have no interest in Apple Pay, which makes me crazy. I mean, I can buy a really? Coke. Really? You're seeing, you're seeing more of that? I'm seeing Apple Pay accepted in more places. Uh, I'm seeing Apple, when I do see it accepted in more places, people are not even aware that it's accepted. So uh, here's the well, answer you get a lot. No, you just hold your little thing up. And well, the answer just... you get a lot is we may, it works sometimes. Mm-hmm. That's what they said at the Smithsonian. Where uh, <laughs> one place I ran into, we had to buy a Dreamcatcher. One thing was that uh, one place I went to, this is one of my favorites. It might have been at the Smithsonian. I forget. But there was one where it was really the total package. Hit the watch. Ding. Worked. Great. Then, then now, 
please insert your chip card. Okay. Ah, successful transaction. Now please sign. Really? Apple Pay mm-hmm. plus chip card plus signature for a dream catcher? I'm not sure you understanding. I don't think you understand the spirit of the Apple Pay. Yeah, the, pa- the paying of thing for things in England it was it was fraud even before we get to the weird fake money. But like again, we were there for a week, and I think it was on the very last day that uh, my poor wife, who handles so many of these difficult situations in life, was trying to deploy the expertise she had developed through experience and consultation with native Londoners about what the hell you're supposed to do about tipping and paying. Oh God, and in, they, they won't tell you, right? It's like it's a whack the pinata situation in this country. Like, you, we know how to handle it in, in the weird U.S. situations, but I didn't know what the deal was here. And they have a whole different ritual about paying for meals in terms of, like, they don't take your card away from the table like they do here. They won't won't bring you your check unless you ask for it. Everything's all topsy-turvy. Oh, so anyway, that's so odd. On the very last day that we're there, she's there deploying her expertise. Like, she's got she now she knows how everything works. She's familiar with how it works, how the variability. We know that we have a... a chip card but that will only ask us for our pin sometimes so we're probably going to have to sign but during the time when you enter your pin is when you would also enter your tip so if you never enter a pin you have to make sure you tell them that you have to like we're deploying these expertise and so she's deploying it she's done it before she's like we now have the system nailed and she's telling this this poor nice uh you know waitress at this restaurant trying to tell her to please add four dollars for the tip uh and this this poor nice person whose first language is not english is having great difficulty understanding what the hell we're talking about. Oh, and my no. wife is trying gamely to, to tell her to, to explain like, Oh, you know, we're, we're Americans. Every time we use our chip card here, it never asks us for the pin. So we're not going to have an opportunity to get a tip. <laughs> we're only going to get one shot at this. So when you put the thing in, please add $4 for the tip. And the person is just looking at us and saying, I don't quite understand what you're getting at, blah, blah, blah. Eventually my wife realizes, and they, I think my wife realizes at first that she's not understanding because she keeps saying to add $4. Oh, no. $4. You didn't catch it either. $4 for the I tip. totally didn't catch it. That was like an Encyclopedia Brown. You got me. Yeah, $4. And she's, and you know, dollars is not computing. Because they oh, don't of course. Dollars. Why would it compute? You might as well say, you know, four monkey's paws. Right, oh. right. And it's actually less than four pounds anyway. So, mm, so once we got on the same page with that, we all had a good laugh. Um, <laughs> and then we pre- then we proceeded to, to give what I am told is the customary 15%, not 20 is twenty uh, seen as excessive? Are you being too needy? According to certain native Londoners that I consulted, mm-hmm. they do not have the culture of tipping twenty percent because their their wait staff are actually paid reasonable wages, um, right, right, and so right. ten to fifteen percent is reasonable, even though it feels weird to Americans. Ugh. And the way you successfully convey that money to them is very complicated, especially if you have an American card with a chip on it, but which almost no machine in London except for three of them will ever ask you for a pin what, for. What fresh hell is this? Is this the direction we really want to go? Metal cards with things written on the back that'll rub right off? Me having to do a do a, a, a chip in order to use my watch to pay for things? What what world are we living in? Yeah. I, I mean, again, we got the whole sort of the... Ang- in so many situations where it wouldn't ask us for the pin. Yeah. I mean, the people get tourists all the time, I suppose, but all of them seem like Annoyed and disappointed that they now had to go find a pen for the stupid Americans because the machine told them that we have to sign. Oh, and then it, but then and then it buzzes when it's successful. It makes that horrible noise when everything was fine. Yeah, their machines. I know exactly what you're talking about, but their machines didn't do that. It's startling. 
It gives me it gives me a little bit of palpitation when that happens. Yeah, yeah. The, the American the, the American experience with the with the chip cards is not going well. But mm, we just went um, to buy a dreamcatcher. We got the feathers. The, the the bad dreams drip down from the feathers. Is that how it works? Mm. I just think of the Stephen King story with the uh, with Those the weasels are... whose name I don't want someone to have to bleep. Oh, okay, okay. No, no, no. They made them for class, and then uh, we had to get gifts. We had to get a tortoise for the guy who's not uh, her boyfriend, mm-hmm. and we had to get a dreamcatcher for uh, for her pal, who has the same name as our cat, by the way. Sweet precious angel. 